The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Episode 22 of the Starry Night Theater Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Swartz. And I'm your other host, Alex. <laughs> Sound a little hoarse today, Alex. Or you're... I'm fine. Oh, okay. 22. Really? It's been 22. It's been 22. That's two tens 22. plus two more. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Yeah. 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 That's... That's a lot. That's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, if, if you couldn't put it together, um, Alex is not here. What? <laughs> what? She's not present in the room. Uh, Alex is sick, so feel better soon, Alex. We she claims you. to be sick. She heard who the guests were, and she, she said, no, I'm not. She bailed. I won't do it. <laughs> I, I refuse to, to do this again. Um, so yeah, feel, feel better, Alex. We'll miss you. So I have two guests on today on our Father's Day episode. I have my own dad, Don Swartz. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. And um, my uncle Jesse. Howdy. <laughs> Thank you both for coming on. I appreciate it. We had a couple guests fall through, and we have you guys on the list multiple times. So uh, I think this is a, a perfect time to do it. And on the Father's Day episode, happy Father's Day to both of you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. And to all the fathers out there listening, thank you. Happy Father's Day. We appreciate you. Um, so I'm, we're going to skip over the beef segment. Unless you guys have beef, you want to air your the, beef I out? I think the two hours should be beef. The whole Let's two hours beef of it beef. Up. Let's talk about Alex because she's not here. <laughs> Let's oh, beef on Alex. Alex. <laughs> Does anybody have any Alex beef? I don't know. We love Alex. Even yeah. though she claims to be ill. No, she couldn't take the three Swartzes. She panicked. Yeah. I yeah, saw her running much. across the parking lot. <laughs> uh, one beef is uh, nephews who make me get out of bed early on a Sunday <laughs> and then show up 15 minutes late. Yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> I said between 9 and 9.30. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yes, we, and, and this generation was here at 9. Yeah. And then the first one to come up is Ben out there, the Taurus Brothers out in the other room on their podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah then, I think we should have done one big... Yeah, well, like they, you guys they said, wouldn't come in here. Yeah, one monster podcast yeah. in here. They're, we intimidate them. I think that's gotta <laughs> yeah. be it. Yeah, Fortes <laughs> versus Torres. I'm down. Let's do yeah, it. See, let's do it. Dan edits this, so he'll just <laughs> edit just a loud fart sound over all that or something. <laughs> <laughs> I won't blame well. <laughs> um, okay, so I I'm in the middle of rehearsals for Sweeney Todd. And how is that going? It's it's going. It, it's so different, as both of you know um, from years of experience. It's such a different animal to do a musical than a play. And obviously, like I, I was expecting 
the singing and, and the movement and all that. Like I expected that to be the challenge, and that's what I was excited about because I've never directed something with singing, and, and we're not dancing necessarily, but there's still motion that you would never do if you're not singing. So that's the stuff that I was looking forward to and excited for. The other part is there's 40 people. And um, they're just different. It's a it's a different breed from from the people we're we're used to, and and just the stage plays of ten to twelve people. That's like manageable, and everyone's into it and and trying their best. There's uh, with any musical, and this is for anywhere. There, there are personalities mixed in. When as that's going to happen when you have forty people in any room ever. Yep. yep. And uh, a lot of eye rolling and sighing and. And all that, which is just, it's it's new to me because usually when we do do plays, like everyone knows the system, everyone knows how we do it, uh, they know our work, both yours and mine, so they they know what to expect and they have more trust. But I think like some people are expecting to come in and everything's just going to be done. And like if I came in to read through, I came in to read through with my script fully annotated. But if if we end closing Sunday exactly how I planned everything then I'm not doing my job right. That's not what a director should be doing. It should not be what you initially planned because there are 40 other people who are going to have 40 other different thoughts. And I, I gave my, my main cast a lot of creative freedom with some of their, their movements because I trust them. That's why you have the roles because I, I trust you. And so for some of their songs, I'm like, all right, I want you to move here and you have to be here at certain points, but mix in what, what you can. And what Jenna and Sean are doing with that is amazing already. Oh, it's great. I can't wait to see it. I can't. Well, both of them are working so incredibly hard. Everyone's working hard. And I don't want to discredit anyone, but there's definitely some people who um, are, are spending a lot of time just sighing and talking and not, I mean, not into yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you get that. And I, I have so little talent. As you get older... And Jesse can attest for this. Yeah, they're probably grumpy because they didn't get the roles they want. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate to step on anybody's toes like that, but I've seen that firsthand. You oh, know? yeah. yeah. They should have been this person. And, you know, that whole thought process of I could have done it better. And uh, that's a bad attitude to have. If you're, you know, the old, what's the old saying? There's no such thing as a small role, only right. a small actor. Right. And uh, I've seen this guy sitting across from me here and a lot of other actors who had small parts and... Sometimes they're the only thing people remember. Right. Is, oh, my God, that guy was so funny. He was on stage for 15 seconds. You know, what was the play where uh, I think it was Sean was the, or somebody was, uh, comes in with the script? Oh, um, uh, Final Notice. Final Notice. Um, he had one line. Yeah. Yeah. The bit was, um, he didn't get, he didn't like his part. He came on and he threw his script. Yeah. He said, I'm never going to audition here. And he went right in the middle of the play and leaves. And then you, he comes for curtain call, and the audience has forgotten him. Yeah. So there's some stranger appears at a curtain <laughs> call. And I think someone even says that line in the play. They yeah. talk about that. They go, yeah, you played the small part. That the audience doesn't remember you by curtain call. And then Sean comes out. Yes, yeah. he agreed to just come by and do that. But here's the thing. Anybody, you know, anybody whose attitude or eye rolling, they don't get it. They don't know what they're doing. Right. And, you know, it's just like, okay, Bob, get out. You know, the people who want to try out for musicals, like it's the first time, or, oh, I want to be in a musical, everybody knows. I don't keep it a secret. Even though I've directed 23 of them, I don't like musicals. I don't like them. Right. So when you get just people, I just want to do musicals, okay, we have nothing in common right, right now. So just do what you're supposed to do. And 
it got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. You're going to roll your eyes at me? You'll be chasing those eyeballs down the aisle because I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I have no patience for that. Yeah. I would see an eyeball and go, get out, get out, pick up, leave your script and get out. Because you, this will be an excellent production. Sometimes you got to cut the dead weight. You know, you just do it. Well, so yeah, get out. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm going to start rehearsal with. Is is like if, if this is going to continue, then then leave right now. There's going to be no hard feelings, but I don't want to spend my summer doing that. Well, it's so childish. Really, it you're going gonna to roll your eyes at me. Yeah, you know what we're trying to put together. Like, oh, pff, that's so. And huffing yeah. and puffing, like, oh, we always enter from here. We're always in the back. Like, I what I did with the ensemble in this show. The ensemble in the original show does nothing. They come on, they sing a few useless songs, and they are. They're nothing. What I'm doing with them in this is making them the story. They are very important to the story. So it's like I could have just dressed you in your, your 1800 street clothes, had you come out like I'm supposed to, and you do, you do your little thing and get off, and no one will remember you. But what I'm doing is making you part of the story. So keep your eyes straight forward because I'm, I'm helping you here. Good for, good for you. Good, good, good. Yeah, and we're putting you on notice. Anybody's going to give my son answers, <laughs> I'm going to come and kick butt. I will kick yeah. butt. I'll just come in. Oh, I, don't, I don't need to. You'll kick your own. You'll kick their butts. Right. But come on. It's a great show. You have amazing leads. Right. And in the movie, they cut out all that shenanigans. So right. I'll keep it up, and we'll end up with the movie version. Right. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's good to be. You're being honest. Right. This is a process we go through oh, yeah. seven times a year. And if you want to be part of it, we move fast, jump in, you'll learn something. Yeah. But do not stand up there sweaty and roll your eyes and huff and puff. You're on the street. Yeah. You're on the street. And the thing is, anybody who doesn't, uh, you know, acts up and isn't part of the ensemble, jo- just try to get cast again. Because oh, now we're not, uh, oh, isn't that the one who quit? Yeah, sorry. You know, yeah. we see what you do. Yeah. We see how you act if you get the part you want that you never would have, you know, done well in. So I, I know that. I yeah. know what you're going through. I have gone through it, you know, so many times. And there's a certain kind of performer who just wants to do musicals. Great. That's great. It ain't me. It never was me. And I don't, I, I tell my, I don't know how to relate to that. Right. I'll put on a great play. We'll stage it. We'll have a great time. But don't give me attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God the vast majority of what I do with musicals is just technical and technical support. Right. And in our new building, which is funny because it's not very new to us or <laughs> actually, I think there was one musical from the first one to Oklahoma that I didn't do, and that was Oklahoma. I ran sound for every single musical in that building until Oklahoma, and I was out of town. I was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and somebody else ran sound, and I haven't done any since. I don't remember what year Oklahoma was. 2011, maybe? Yeah, so I guess from 2001 to 2011, I ran sound for every single musical in the building. And uh, that wasn't all that great either when you're up in the booth in August. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, sure, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's hot up there. I've been there. That, that sucks. Yeah. But it's funny because even though, like, I'm not a huge fan of musicals either but there's some of the productions that like you know charge me up when you're up there in the booth and uh you couldn't be a part of joseph and not be just absolutely happy right right. because of the way that show turned out you know um yeah that was great the rehearsal process is is horrible because it's summer and everybody's grumpy and but at least the product is is usually really good yeah and that's that's what I said too. Um, and and all the 
I don't want to discredit the people who are also working really hard. Like the main cast working incredibly hard. And uh, there's there are a bunch of people in the ensemble who are who are getting up and reading for people who aren't there, helping people with their blocking and going above and beyond. So like those people I'm so grateful that's for. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's, those are yep. the people you're gonna see in other roles in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because their work ethic. Yes. And their attitude. And that's that's what happened with, with Sean. Sean comes in, he auditions for Night of the Living Dead. And he gets uh, what's the name Tom? Yeah, he gets he, he could have left after that. He he told me after the podcast set, they another theater called him back like right after he got the role for that, and he's like, so I had this decision and I took us, and now here he is after we saw his work ethic and him coming to crew and staying crews late and staying after rehearsals late to get all the information on the character that he can possibly get, and now he's Sweeney Todd. Like that's not an accident. That's Right, that's work a lot ethic. of hard work, and and it does not. You know, you put, cast him in um, Night of Living Dead because we worked on that. You know, you, you were casting Halloween Dreams. I was casting, uh, directing for the first time, and you know Ryan had played that. Ryan Walters had played that part three, four times. So being the first time director, and I was already changing the set. I rewrote the ending. I was doing a lot. I thought, well, I'm going to go with a few sure things. So I was just, I thought, well, Ryan's here. And then we come to find out Ryan wants to play a zombie. And, and DJ, you said, you said, well, what about that, Sean? I go, who? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> we, we, you know, we take a break halfway through because I drink too much coffee and water. We go to the back room. <laughs> and DJ goes, you did the same thing for Alex. You don't give yourself enough credit for Alex. Yes, Alex, you're listening. It was DJ who discovered you and insisted I put you in because we got back. There. I go, I don't know who you're talking about. He's, the blonde girl. Oh, the redheaded girl. <laughs> and I liked you. I liked her instantly. But I was looking another way with her. And Sean, I thought, well, he's a new person. Um, he could be a zombie and this and DJ. No, he said I think and 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 then DJ said, well, I want uh, Ryan. Ryan's going to play a big part in Halloween Dreams, and we don't want to overburden him. Let him focus on on Halloween Dreams, and let's give this new guy a chance. And I'm like, okay, stop badgering me. <laughs> but he, when you guys talked about this, you didn't give yourself enough credit. Both Alex and Sean. Directing all, you miss things. You need someone to help you to point out. And DJ was always willing to do that. Say, hey, he'll elbow me and say, take a look at that one. Maybe you're not seeing that person how I'm seeing them. So you, you know, gave them both that opportunity. And so that, you know, what I'm saying. I say, take take the bow and take the credit. And they're both awesome people. Yeah, awesome yeah. hard workers, awesome performers. And uh, and that's how it happened. Sometimes it almost didn't happen. I was just gonna, you know, roll right. with the. World, and that's why you bring in new people and new fresh eyes to see, give everybody a chance. And when you give every single person a fair chance, you try your hardest, and they're going to be up there rolling your eyes? I don't think so. Oh, right. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. What is that all about? I know. And, yeah. and like even Ben, Ben's a great example of this because Ben Torres just played the creature. Like that's, that's the main role. And then in Sweeney Todd, he was originally cast as, as Fog, who has a handful of lines. And he was so excited. He, he was so excited to, to come in. It's like, you just played the main character of this huge production. Now you're, you're a, a small part in a musical, and you come in excited and ready to work. That's, that's, that's who I want to work that, with. That's, yeah, that's, and he, yeah, yeah, like the last 20 years, <clears throat> excuse me, last 20 years of, of all of my theater career, I like the smaller roles. Yeah. I really do. Um, you know, Sal's about as big as I want to go, really. Um, I've had a lot of the leads and 
at the end of those shows, you're just beat. You know, you're exhausted, and there's, like, little roles that you can slide into and just have a lot of fun yep. doing. You know, like, I love doing Jeremy. Just yeah. end it there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I loved it. Yeah. You sit on your big can in the in the green room and, <laughs> and eat kids candy and then come out for a two-minute scene. It's and, great. And, and, yeah, and just, and, and just shock the audience and, and have them, you know, and say, this stranger just came on and finished the play. And, and yeah. added uh, home run. Yeah, and that's and the you know other roles too, not like uh, as impactful as Jeremy, but even smaller roles where you come in as, you know, some sort of comedic relief for a minute or two, and then you're you know you're on, you're off, you're this, you're that. Um, Treasure Island. I played the. Uh, I had a main character that got killed. And once he was dead, they brought me back as a sailor who I think his name was Tom. It might have been generic. Just yeah, Tom. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying. To, yeah, yeah. I remember you doing that, and remember, uh, yeah. and you had a blast. It, you know. Dan killed me he, by breaking my neck on stage, and that was <laughs> my favorite part because the audience would, you know, audibly, right, gasp at at the neck break because we had an effect that went with it and all that, and uh, that role was just awesome. I just loved it. I had no lines. I just stepped on. And maybe I said one thing, and then Dan kills me. <laughs> a lot awesome. of times with the huge roles, you're doing all the heavy lifting. And those tend to be thankless roles. Everybody says, oh, I want the lead. I want the lead. Do you? Can you handle it? We, because mo- what's to handle is once you learn all of it, you carry the show. You're, you're in every scene. And at the end of the audience, oh, yeah, yeah, you were good. Right. It's, those are n- almost never the ones. But the little funny, the character parts, and if you've been in it long enough, at it long enough, that's what you finally realize. The little gems. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. You come on, make an impact, get the heck off. Right. And um, it's easy. It's enjoyable. And then you see the poor people. You finally got what you want. You got the lead. Well, you're, yeah, yeah. You're slogging through this two hours. You're carry- and a lot of times they carry the story. Yeah. They carry the narrative, and they carry, and it's what happens to that person. And they do tend to be thankless roles. And people say, oh, yeah, you, yeah, 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 that was good. Like, I just killed myself for <laughs> right. two hours. But that's the way it is. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah, like a, a good example is um, old Joe from Christmas Carol. Yep. One of my favorite roles because it's just dirty and grungy, and it's not long. It's not huge. You come in. You you do this scene that's just one of my favorite scenes from Christmas Carol. And that adds all the local color. Yeah. That adds all the, you know. It reminds people that we're back in 1843, uh, and it's grungy, and these people. And then you go back on with a story, and you're abs- absolutely. Yeah, I just love those. Yeah. T- Titus and Curious Savage, same thing. We, I had three scenes, I think. Yeah, yeah. You we came did, in three yep, times. We had a ball and, doing it. Yep, and get the heck out. Yeah, those are the, the, the fun parts. Even, like, I've recognized that now. And there's a lot of parts in, in Sweeney Todd that are like that. Ben has now stepped into one, and he's taken advantage of that. He's running with that, like, awesome. wild. Yay. And, even, like, all the ensemble parts, I think you guys would love being part of that because it's just fun. Everything that, that's happening is, is fun. That's awesome. So those those are the parts you want. Yes. I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. It, it'll be – yeah. I, I, the set's already coming together. The set looks beautiful, and the costumes will look great, and everything's going to be there at the end. And I, I said that to all of them, too. It's just – we have to make it however we make it, whether whether these next couple months are going to be enjoyable or we're going to 
traipse through hell to to make this product. Right, right, right. Some of both. Yeah. Yep. Some of both. There you go. Some Likely. Wisdom right there, a little bit yeah. of both. Hopefully most of the, you know, the good outshines whatever struggles you have. But I think if you go through a production without struggles, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Is that- yeah, sometimes, sometimes people say, oh, I love that show. And now you remember what it took to get there. Yeah. To get to the finish line. And you're like, uh-huh. And, you know, but sometimes at work, that work, that, that struggle, like you say, the conflict, pays off in the final product. You know, yeah. what you can see, yeah. You know, you said, it, you said it in the beginning. When you said, if everything goes the way I annotated it, I'm not doing my job correctly. Right. And, and getting to that other side of the bridge is going to be some struggle. Yeah. It, it has to be. You know, every, every character I've developed, and I, I can't speak for anybody else, uh, I actually learned this from Don, is, is 90% of the work is done at home. Yeah. And when you're by yourself and you're working with your script and you're, you're trying new things, uh, I had a director who told me once, don't be afraid to suck. Because at least you're trying something, and that's the director. When the director steps in and says, okay, that's not the direction we really want to go. Try something else. But if you've done your homework at home, you probably have four or five approaches yeah. to a particular scene or a particular character. And you finally, between you and the director and your other actors, get it you know, get it figured out. But it, for me, it was always a struggle right. to find the one right path. And you get those rare actors who will put that work in. A lot of times, most of like 90% of them, they'll open their script only during rehearsal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you have not looked at this. So there's not a lot. For, that's why I sit in the back with my coffee and just say, okay, if you don't come prepared, I can't do anything. Yeah. I am not going to learn your lines for you. I, we are not going to go through it a million times so you can learn your lines. Yeah. You do that at home, you show up, and when I, you know, just check out, sit in the back, okay, you're just going to fumble around looking at your book, all of you, for the next six weeks. There's nothing for me to do. And then sometimes during production week, I all of a sudden get up and have a lot of notes. It's like, because you people are doing something, you're allowing me to do my job, um, and I'm going to darn well put my two cents in. But if we're going to, I've said this how many times it reads, like, we can spend the next six weeks shuffling around with your nose in that book. Or learn it, get it out of your hands, and let's do something. And if they don't, there's nothing a director can do. You know, and it's after so many times, I sort of check out and enjoy myself in the back, sit, sit in the pew and have my coffee and my candies. When you've been working together for as long as Don and I have, that's a bad sign. Yeah. And you should realize it. You should realize that if he's sitting in the back drinking coffee and not saying anything, <laughs> you're in trouble because he's given up. That's where we'll, we'll find him, and then we'll yeah. know we're in trouble. <laughs> well, I remember when you, his first time he directed, remember um, um, uh, Noodles, and the first week you were up in the booth. And I, you know, I was butting out. You were 15, but I thought, you, you got this, because we were going to co-direct. And, and I go, after I go, you're up there too early. I run up there like the week before production week when I'm done. And I said, okay, I'll be up there. And I said, you're too far away. We need you up here. I'm in that box. I need you here. You, next rehearsal, he was right at the edge of the stage. Right. Is that? And uh, you were engaged. Yeah, you were in that. You were played. Grandpa yes. Poodle. Yeah. Remember? Because I played Ned. You in created the Ned. First Correct. One. Yeah. Yes. A hundred years ago. And then you played ago. Grandpa. <laughs> and then, and it was funny for your first directorial. Your instinct is to flight. Mm-hmm. Get the heck out. Yeah. You're up in the back. Where is he? He's up there. Yeah. The first week. 
I go, I usually don't retreat until the very last week, and even on a good production, because then I'm running sound. I like yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. But there's that little, I go, I, hello, DJ, is that you up there? I go, uh-huh. we need you down here. Yeah. And from uh, now, now he gets up on the stage with the actors. He's still in it. He's in it. He, and I love that. That's where a director should be. And um, the further back you get, the, the more yeah, you're kind of like washing your hands of it. And say, I, see, that's like another that. example, too. Like, I played Ned 100 years ago, and that's a heavy lift. You yeah. know, and it was Dan right. that did it this time. Yes. yes. The time he directed, and he did a wonderful job. Uh, I like Grandpa more. It was more relaxing. It was more fun. It's the perfect role. You sit there and you listen to what's going on on stage more than anything. Right. You know, and you can react to it to give your fellow actors something to to react to themselves, but uh, it was just such a wonderful role. I, I never write a part for myself. Never, never. The, the one time I, I broke it was one of the, was for Grandpa, and I never got to play him in two productions. I said, oh, you wrote that tell, uh, Jack in the Box. You wrote for yourself. I never. I never even imagined. I didn't want to be down in the box. Right. And then first, uh, Greg Blar played Grandpa, Grandpa, the yeah. man, and then you played him, yep. and I'm in the box. And it's just funny people's perception, right? I love the cat. You know, I love cats. Of course, I'm crazy about cats. So I just loved Grandpa's uh, enthusiasm and his love for cats, and it was so funny. And, and you did such an awesome job. So did Greg. Thank you. I said, just, well, I'll it's, stay in the box, but I didn't write the box. I didn't want the box. I didn't want that. You know, it's such an eccentric role that you can't not have fun with it. And it's funny because it's one of those roles, like uh, kind of like Lottie and Bernice. You can be grumpy, yeah, and really yeah. happy at the same time. And that's right. a role that that did that. And it's funny, like you you talk about Jack. Certain actors put an imprint on a role. I can't imagine anybody else in this company playing Jack. Same. I was going to say that. You know, I, maybe, I don't, don't want to see it. Maybe funny, years from now, maybe Ryan. I could see Ryan maybe having an, a, a good <laughs> shot at that role. Lock him in it. Don't R- him Ryan's out. one of those kids that uh, you were talking about, like people that surprise you. I got two, Ryan and VJ. Yeah, VJ yeah. has blown my mind. I'm yeah. not saying that anybody else isn't good. I'm, there's a lot of good actors in the company, but from whatever he did the first time, VJ, which I don't remember. Shame on me. Well, he was in. Uh, uh, Savage. Savage with us. Him he was and, a doctor. Him and Alex came on the first time. At the, yes. He was the doctor. And, and and again, I'm not going to speak for VJ, but uh, his first role did a great job because I worked closely with him as Titus. Yep, yep. And um, he did a great job. But then since then, he's been thrown into things that, you know, we didn't really know what his lane was. Yeah. We didn't know what his abilities were. And now you've cast him in so many different roles, and every time he does one, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's got some really deep pockets to pull from. Yeah. He's getting me, you, and Greg Blair roles. He's getting the old character roles. In a Christmas show, he played, you know, um, the, the, the mean editor, the editor. For, I can't think of his yeah. name. Yeah. He played the editor. And he's getting, he's stepping in. He's like that between the kids. We've got a lot of great kids. And... Not a whole lot of character actors. So when one comes up who is flexible and can also play a range, a lot of times he ends up in a, in a character roles. He blew my mind as George. Just mind blown. Literally, I just sat there and went, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah, you cast him in that. Didn't you? No. I did? You did. In a totally different I, approach. I, well, I, I, played my, I? I played my George. I put him in that? Yeah. Must oh, have. as Sean played the um, 
Irving? Sean played Irving. That was the first time you didn't play Irving. Sean right, played it. Charlie, and then yeah. VJ and Carla were George and Sarah. I, I remember I remember that and I remember him doing it, but I I don't remember taking you must have talked me into that. Because you're I don't the think risk I had taker. anything to do. No? I don't think I did. Oh my god. I think it's funny is I've played a lot of villains at the Ghost Light. I played Bill Sykes. I played Jigger. I played the bad guy in um Bad Seed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it was lit on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I've played a lot of villains, it's just I guess whatever. Never played George. Isn't that funny? Because you've been, uh, 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 he would be a shoe-in for George. <laughs> no, I never played George. I played Charlie. I played David, who's no longer in the in the perform in the show. Yes. Uh, yep. And I played Irving. Yes, you did. Um, and that's it. Well, uh, here's the thing: when you know me and you are the were the uh, old character actors, I couldn't play George to save my life. First of all, I have a yes, character voice. Uh, I you know. And so it was always, and then you had to always be the heavy, and I'd either be the feeble or the whatever. And so um, it, we kind of fell into that because we knew we could each deliver that, but we didn't do a lot of crossover where, you know. The only time we did that was in Halloween Screams. Yeah, where we played. We played each other. I wrote him, and I wrote me. And then at the last minute, I said, because about community theater. Yeah. And um, and I said, let's switch parts. So he had to play kind of the the leader, and I got to play the wise acre. Yeah. I'll say the bad word. And <laughs> it was fun because we sort of were mirroring each other. We're laughing so hard. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. So instead of just – I thought, well, you'd play you, and I would play me. And my character – was more the technical one and kind of the, the goof, goof up, which isn't what – I took our characters and sort of expanded them, and then we swapped them. We yeah. had a blast. How fun was that to play those? And um, that was the one time where we went against type. You know, you do, yeah. you do fall into your, in, your commodity. Mm-hmm. Well, Jess can do that. You know, I could do that. And not to say that we've had some great character actors along the way also, but we're just – they ain't here today. So it was, right. I'm just talking about us, no, what yeah. we've had to offer. And, and, uh, and you do fall into those niches because you can do them. And, and here's VJ coming up and, and eligible to play those roles yeah. and roles that you or I would have been tapped for. Yeah. Just say, hey, no, not enough people came out. Why don't you come out and do this? Now he's um, eligible, not only eligible, but he can play them. And that's exciting. Well, yeah, he's like both of you guys were like you, uh, both of you could have played any part in in all through the night. Like you, you could definitely play George. Both of you, I love when you play the villain. I'd have been a hell of a Mabel. Yeah, that's say. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, but Vijay's like what you were talking about before, where he puts the work in at home. Yes, that man reads through that script more than I've ever seen anyone read through a script, and. In the musical, this is his first time singing in a, in a musical, and he already knows his songs. He's listening to his songs nonstop. He knows his part, Good and for it's him. Sondheim. So it's like that's not an easy thing to it's do Not for an easy first. thing at all. See, and that's an inspiration. That makes you want to come to rehearsal. Yeah. You see a fellow cast member, and they set the tone. You need a quarterback. As good as your coach is, you need a quarterback. And um, when you have that person and when that person's going to stand up, for example, in um, Night of Living Dead, where Dan knows the drill and knows I- I'm the quarterback, I'm the, the, you're the quarterback. 
You right. set the tone. And did he ever? He mm. stood up there, and he was always on time. He knew his stuff. He helped everybody. He directed the action from them. That's what you need. Yeah. And so if your two leads understand that. And a lot of times I'll have to pull the leads aside and say, okay, beyond carrying the show, know all your lines. You're the quarterback up there. You will set the tone. If the cast is, is, is not together and fighting and sort of not cohesive, that's on you because I'm way out here. And sometimes you get an actor who gets that and knows it and leads the way. And everybody else is inspired. Oh, look, he or she has their part already. They're an inspiration. You know, and um, I know you have that in Sean and um, Jenna. I yeah. know that they will be those kind of people. You can't just be, I'm the star, get out of my way. Yeah. The heck cast will hate you. And if that happens, they will get you. Right. They will get you. As a group, as a mob mentality, first of all, the audience will it'll reek of that. And they will, for every opportunity to upstage or right. to diminish what you can. So the first thing I always tell anybody, has say, I said, win the cast over. Yeah. Win, be their champion. Be their advocate. Be everything for them. And now you've got a show. And as a director, you just relax. Say, oh, I've got a good quarterback up there. That's why there's candy at the read-throughs. See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Epiphany. Right? <laughs> now I understand. Right. Sugar them up and, and send them up there. And I, I've been so lucky with all my leads starting out with I had – well, first off, all of you guys in Noodles and then Dan and Amanda taking like the, those two parts and they were fantastic. And then I had Dan and, and uh, Chris Fire and Nosferatu and moving forward, I just, I've had great leads and then Dan and Ben. But see, so you, you cast them. See, you get that. You know that not only beyond talent, are they the kind of people who can pull a cast together right? because the director cannot do that. Right. Because when it, when it says showtime, you're in another part of the building. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do unless you're in it. And a lot of times I'll put myself in it just to carry that role. Yeah. Just to be the cheerleader, just to be backstage. It's okay, guys. We got this. And I mean it. You know, yeah, right, you, right. You, that's experience you want to be a part of. And um, you know that you realize that that, that – and, and anybody who's played those big parts realize that that's – your responsibility is also morale – Right. Well, look at uh, all, there's just the great quarterbacks who, who you can tell the teams love them. They just rally around. You need that in theater. Right. You need those people in the middle of the production. Yeah. And when you got that, it's, a, it's easier. I don't say it's a cakewalk, yeah. but it's, well, it's a lot it's, easier. It's funny, too. And, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like every director has a pool to pull from that he's comfortable and familiar with. And so you're developing your own pool. You're still. You know, pushing people in it so you can pull them out when you need them. Yes. But the funny thing that a lot of people don't understand is just because you're related to or a friend of the director doesn't mean you get the role you want. Right. You get the role that the director feels is is correct for you. And we did the foreigner twice where I played Charlie, which is the heavy lift. I didn't want Charlie either time because on my form I said I wanted to be Owen, Musser, and then another time I wanted to be Froggy. Or not Froggy, um, Ellard. Yeah, yeah. Ellard, yeah. Ellard. And, you know, Ellard was, like, the first time I said I wanted to play Ellard. Yeah. And I was, you know, maybe young enough to get away with it, but I still looked old because I've always looked old. <laughs> and I wound up being Charlie. And then the second time I wanted to be Owen Musser, and he... You well, know. you're so good at Charlie. Nobody would have accepted another Charlie. It's, it's like a Robin Williams part. 
and and you just you would just you know, and um, that's another delightful play. I think people you know they think oh it's controversial. There's nothing controversial about it. It takes a hate group and smashes them into the ground, and 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 everybody's cheering. You know, so it's one we definitely need to come back to. But again, if you know, if 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 people expected uh, Charlie, he's charming. He's it just it's just delightful. Here's the problem: the more talented you are, the less likely you're going to end up in the role that you want. Yeah, because Jesse's going to end up in the role that only he can play. Yeah. Now, if you can play, oh well, he could do that. You could do that. You could do that. You could do that. You're going to do this because you're the only one who can do this. And if that character has three lines, he has three lines. Yeah, that's how it happens. And when you become these sort of veteran character actors, you get put in the role that only you can do. And where there's competition, then you can either take a risk or not. You are a good risk taker. I am not so much. I just I'm not. I get my. If I have a few that I can really count on, then maybe every now and then, I'm sort of jaded. I'm a little cynical when I, it's a, especially a new person. Now you've taken and you've and you have good and bad, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's life. Um, if I have a safe course at my at my uh, point in my career, I will take the safe path. Right, I will take the safe path, and um, because sometimes you don't have the energy. And and I'm trying to work on. That's why you always are at my elbow at um, auditions. That's why Jesse and my and, and your uncle Tom were at my elbow for my very first carousel. Yeah, you know, you need someone. And both of them have both pointed out. Say, look at the, you're missing. Take a look at this one. Make sure you see this one. And you don't do that for me. Yeah. And sometimes you'll talk me into a risk. You'll say, meh, you know, Dad. You, you know. And you always do it. We do it. We try to give each. We know what it's like to audition. We try to give each person a consideration. That's why it always hurts when you, you know, you get yeah. the eye roll. Like, okay, I vouched for you. Right. I stood up. I said, let's give this person a chance. You yeah. know. So you do all of that, and and um, I appreciate. That's why you're in the room to to take the. But you know, help me to take the risk. What's funny is I don't know where this event falls in your history, DJ. Your history. With directing, which I think you're doing a phenomenal job of. Thank you. Um, somebody had the audacity. We used to have a forum that was on our our website, and you used to, you know you had a name and you had a little avatar or whatever, and you could start a thread talking about whatever you wanted to. And somebody who I don't think is any longer a part of the company had the audacity to say we always use the same actors over and over and over again. We never have any new people. Yeah. So at the annual membership meeting, you know how sometimes Don will say, anybody who was in this particular production, please stand up? So he threw in a curveball at one point. He said, anybody who had their first role in any of these shows, please stand up. 21 people stood. Wow. In one season. 21 new faces. Right. And it was like, if you can say that again, you're just not paying attention. Uh, Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's we still deal with that. And comments on Facebook and stuff. I, that's why when I was running the account, I I had to like really contain myself because it's hard not to just rip someone's head off. Like you're just blatantly being stupid. And, and it was during Frankenstein. It was Frankenstein auditions. And like just bring out your cast from October. And it's so I after I cast the show, I went back and I was like, yeah, more than half the cast is new. Like try again, something like that. No, and you don't know what the audition process is like. 
You don't know who we have. And we could be getting a thousand people, and maybe only a handful of them are good. Like you don't know what we're dealing with. So just keep the comments to yourself. That's what I hate more than anything. Yes. We use yeah. the same people. We have a good record of of giving new people a chance. Absolutely, we do. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes when you have a you know embarrassment of riches, you have a lot of talented people. It's like, okay, I don't know you. Get yeah. your foot in the door. Right. You want to walk in, and we have people walk in and get leads. It happens. But sometimes get your foot in the door and see how it works. Get in. And then um, Sherry Pizak, who, who was uh, uh, in a bunch of shows, a good friend, um, she was not cast in um, Magritte. Uh, this is not a pipe dream, the Magritte uh, piece that we did. And her and um, Marquita, we couldn't, you know, it, we just, the first time I tried out, they showed up Saturday at Crew. Oh, no, and before they showed up at the read through. And I said, Oh, oh I'm sorry. We, we, she goes, They both said, I know. We know. We want to work on the show. And I go, They're welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Right. Welcome. You get it. And the both of them played parts for you know, many years before you know, they moved on. Yeah. But, but that attitude. She goes, oh, they were so kind. It's like, oh, I know we could, you couldn't use this in this time, but we want to help. What can we do? That's who you want. Uh, yeah. That's, you get your foot in the door, and then, oh, she, they, they played part after part. They were kind of our go-to actresses, yeah. and, and I miss the both of them. But that was, that's how you know you have a fellow person who gets it. You know, they show up, get your foot in the door. And, but this idea, uh, most people who complain have no talent. You know, we've right. got to be perfectly honest. You see, you have no talent. You will right. never have a lead here. Never, ever. You have no talent. Or the parent. Your child has no talent. Yeah. And we don't take turns. Oh, it's little Johnny's turn. To, no, there's no turn. Yeah. You earn it. Right. It's old-fashioned, old, but we're old-fashioned. You earn it. You yeah. earn it. You get up there, and then the work starts. Yeah. People say, I've got the lead. Do you? Now prove that I didn't screw up. Yeah. Prove that I got it right, and you're going to have to work. And the leads get pushed on hard. You get pushed, you get, you know, and can you handle it? Sometimes you can. Yeah. That we have epic, perform, epic productions where the lead did not, did not. Yeah. Yes. Well, we can't say them, but we can think them. And, and um, sometimes people go, you didn't cast me in this, and I want to say, you're welcome. Right. <laughs> because we didn't humiliate you. Right. And so, no, we work too. So I don't take those serious. And, and, and it's always the sour wannabe, like the parents going, you benched my child. Yeah, but you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's shocking. Sometimes you get the people who are the leaders, the real leaders who are really good, rarely have any attitude to them. That, that yeah. attitude like I'm the lead and I'm taking control. Right, right. It's just quiet, strength. Encourage moving forward, and they bring the entire cast up with them. You know, I mean, if if you're yes. if you're a good person, yeah, who's really trying to make the production good, you're going to follow that leader to the best of your ability, and you're going to help make the production is even better. Yeah, you know, and it's the ones who don't; those are the ones that eventually get weeded out. Yeah, and a lot of times people say from other groups, they'll come out and they'll say, "Oh, you guys just don't you just crush ego. You don't have ego. You don't allow the ego." It's like no. And real artists, it's not involved. Right. It's, it's a humbling. It's hard work. It's a privilege to get up there and be, you know, represent, tell the story. 
And if you have that attitude, you're going to do great. If you don't, you're not going to do well here. Right. You're going to need to find somewhere else. Like, oh, uh, uh, the light maybe wasn't on me, or I don't like this costume, or I think I need to be featured. I'm like, no, 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 and no. But understand a lot of the groups, that's how they work. Right. It's really ugly and really pushy and really like, oh, I need to be over here and and I need to be this. Like, no, I'm not interested. I know the two of you are the same way. We're not, we don't do that kind of theater. No, yeah. It doesn't interest us. We're workers. We, I think there's a, a really good uh, history that started at the very top of the company and filtered down, and that was we are here to do the absolute best job we can to engage the audience. Right. Right. And nothing else matters. Right. And, and by engage, I don't necessarily mean you know, anything in particular. We're, we're either making you laugh or making you cry or making you right. angry. Right. And that's part of it, too. Sometimes right. we make you angry. Right. Um, or uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, that, that's our that's our job. And if we're if if we're telling an important story and Frank. Right. Uh, we need to honor that story. Right. We need to honor right. that individual by. Busting your ass and getting it done right. Yes, because the know? most you're right. The most important person on the stage is Anne Frank, the yeah. car- the real person, yeah. not the actress. And so, same with the butterflies. Yeah. And those kids got that. Those kids were an example to us all. Those yeah. twelve kids who said, "Look, these kids left us a message, and they want us to deliver it. Are you up for that? You know what? Yes, we are. And they were up for it. And and they they took all of that on themselves, and they shared that story. Who was the most important in the room? The kids. The kids from. 80 years ago. Yep. If you keep that your focus, that's your joy. That's, your, you know, it's not going to be a piece of cake, but, but that's what real art is about. And a lot of people aren't down with that. Yeah. And if yeah. you need to go find another community group, you need to find someone else because this is a way, and you're not going to change that. Right. You can change other things. You can introduce this or that. Great. But do not go after our core and do not go after the core, our core beliefs of how we share these important stories and we honor these people and these playwrights and these ideas. We honor them and we present them. We get the privilege of presenting them. If you're not down with that, there's the door. Yep. Yeah, see, and door. I got to admit, I didn't come see that show because I can't handle it. Right. Oh, I, so I can't. Tell me about it. I can't handle it. I, I, I was in it twice. Yeah. And I had seen it another time. And I will sit in the peanut gallery with Maddie and I will go through a box of tissue. If I watch that show, I, I would have not seen most of it because I would have been crying. The it's, whole time. Dev- it's absolutely devastating. And, and, and I think it's why notice I didn't produce it the whole time I had children from the moment I had children. Uh-huh. Yeah. See? <laughs> but I didn't realize that. Right. But like, I, and then, that's why I had helper. I had well, I, I had two assistant directors. I yeah. had a stage manager. I had a dramaturg. I had a wall of people between me and the stage, and I was way in the back because I knew what we had to take on. Yeah. And as parents, and as people, um, and that we're going to do this as an annual event. Yeah. Um, that takes courage. That yeah. takes great humility. That takes and um, there's no ego about it. Right. And there's no, and those kids really. Those twelve uh, set an example for me and said, "Our fu- we got a future, people. We got a future. Yep. These kids got it. Yeah, they uh, and they'd ask their questions and they would never flip, or they were never. And when the Holocaust survivor came and spoke with us, they sat quite, just spellbound, spellbound by this man who shared his story that happened um, eighty years ago, seventy years ago. Which is funny because to get any of us." 
children or otherwise away from our electronic devices yes and keep us engaged is is quite difficult to do yeah and that's the my one of my favorite parts about the theater is the separation from technology right and other than what your special effects and your lights are yeah yeah, yeah. but it's still it's an intimate relationship between even those items because you're you you know your nose isn't in your phone or on your computer or whatever the case may be and it's like that that core value you were talking about with the shows that are serious uh butterfly you know and frank there's so many other ones boys next door which is a comedy but oh my god does it have a serious message right oh, yeah all right um right. and at this theater and i've been at a lot of different theaters worked with a lot of different companies there's some backstage when you do a comedy there's some you know pat on the back you really knocked that out of the park great job but there's more of why didn't i get the laugh yeah. what, what did i do wrong that i didn't get the laugh and it's like a science and don and you and paul mcginnis and so many other people that worked debbie joanne debbie and joanne when they come off of the uh, you've been there in the green room yeah lottie and bernice it is not all laughs Sometimes it is. Sometimes they're laughing their butts off at each other or themselves because they screwed something up. But more often than not, it's them coming back. They're angry because they didn't get a laugh they got the night before, and they yeah. wonder what they did wrong. Right. You evaluate and say, you know, you're a scorekeeper when you're, when you're in comedy. And you, you're right. When you said we're audience-centric, audience yeah. we're just like a party. If you were planning a party, you would set your table and you would talk about this person will sit here, and this is what they're going to have, and this is what we're going to have. We're that way from get-go. Yeah. We go, what is the audience going to see? What are they going to experience? What are, they, what are we going to bring to them? Um, and that's the joy to it. We're sharing something with, with, with others where it's like a surprise. We're prepared. We've got six weeks to prepare this. Let's build in some surprises. Let's build in, and then we layer it up. This, they're going to see this. They're going to see this. We're all about uh, uh, the person who's going to come and share the story with us. And that, I think, more than anything, keeps us honest and keeps us wanting to deliver what we've prepared. Right. You know, you're prepared to something and it falls flat, or you're somehow it. You go back and say, "What happened? Yeah. What did I do? What you? What? What? Not to place blame because you got another show and you want to get it right, and so you analyze it on the fly and say, "Oh, I think maybe this happened or this. Okay, okay. Well, we'll get it tomorrow. Yep. You know, you have that attitude, but as you said. Um, and you forget about that, but we do it innately. What's the audience going to see? Yeah, it's all about that. It's all about what they're going to share. Yeah, it's rare too when a production doesn't change, even after it opens. You know, it's a, oh, yeah. an extremely rare production, and that was one of the things I hated about working professionally was the director's not there after opening night. They're flying out of town and going somewhere else to, to to start another project, and the stage manager is the the boss, and you can't change anything because the stage manager will rough you up and say, "Put it back to the way it was when the director was here," and you can actually get in trouble. You can actually get written up for you know making a change. I did it once during inspecting Carol, and I got yelled at because go back to the way it was it was rehearsed, and it's it becomes static and it's boring. No, nobody, yep. nobody wants you – know, there's times like Hell and Sal. Obviously, there's some physical comedy in there. Um, most of it's intellectual. Not very intellectual, but intellectual. <laughs> um, 
And you have to work. You have to dance with the audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if they love the intellectual stuff, then you you push it a little bit. If they love the physical comedy, you push the physical comedy. You got to go, and each audience is different. Yes, you know, and so the, the every production should change until the very the very minute it closes. Yes, it should be changing. I think there's a problem with the structure when when the um, staging director leaves and leaves a, essentially a drill sergeant. Yeah, someone who's not really well versed in certainly not directing. All they're good at is yeah. saying this is the way it goes. In fact, that's what they called the individual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. and so they're holding something dead. In place where someone who would just say, trust your actors. Trust your actors to engage with the audience, please, and, and let them. And then you have something that's alive and then that's giving. But I think that's a structural problem that's, that's yes, you can't afford to keep the director on hand. So the trust your actors. Yeah. If, 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 if you trusted the rehearsal process, let them, let them uh, you know. Obviously, if they go too far, then you have that, you know, that process. And we've seen, we've seen that part, too. Where you have to trust your actors and have good enough actors that can do that. But that's what it's meant for. That's what auditions are for. And so when you trust a group of people that they can, all right, change this and I will give you the creative freedom to do this. Right, right. Because it is alive. And then, yeah, if you don't feel that, that don't do it that night or do it extra this night because they're laughing at it more. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. And that's the audition process. So, like, going back to, like, the new people thing, it's like we have – a bunch of people who know this. Yep. So it's like, okay, so then at auditions, prove that you can be better than Vanessa. Prove that you can be better than VJ. Because it's going to be tough. But like yeah. that's, that's the whole point of competition. It's, it's funny, too, because I had a director who told me once, like, I, I asked him, you know, what's the difference between rehearsals and production? And he said, opening night is a whole new experience. Forget everything you did in rehearsal. And now just be the character. Yeah. And just enjoy the show. And and let it pull you along, and let it pull you through, and it's freeing. When yeah, you when yeah. you when you've done the work, yep. you don't need to remember the rehearsals, right? Right. You know, it's like muscle memory. You know it, and and you, you know, you just go out there and you just let it let it happen and let it be free. And it's the times like, in my own personal experience, when I'm worried about lines, which means I didn't do my work. When I screw up, yeah, that's when I screw yep. up. Same here. I always think of, uh, uh, you know, hitting a tennis ball up against a wall. That's rehearsal for six weeks. And then opening night, your partner shows up. Yeah. And this is someone you've never played with before. And they're not going to hit it back like the wall. And they're no. not going to. Yeah, right. You cannot control. So that's the joy to it. And there's those audiences where. And they're not going to they do didn't show They up. don't play. They just they, didn't show they're, up. They're they don't want to play. They're like, I would rather have my brick wall, please. Thank you. We had uh, yeah. Yeah. We had an audience for Boys Next Door when I played Jack, which is the counselor, the yeah. the leader of whatever. And I'm up on that stage left platform doing a monologue that was beautiful. Um, it's the one where he's explaining why he had to quit. Yes. Yep. And in that monologue, he says, they're throwing me a surprise party Tuesday. Arnold told me four times, yeah. you know, and he goes on through the list of the characters that all told him about the surprise party on Tuesday. And the audience just sat there and I was mad. I was angry because yeah. it's a great line. And I just looked at him for a second. And I went, really? Are you kidding me here? And then they got it and then they laughed. But it was like, how I, can you not laugh at that? Yeah. Right. And I think that with that show, especially 
the audience was uh, put on notice, not by us, but just by their own decency and their own that we're going to have to be real careful what we laugh at. And I think yeah. the playwright did a brilliant job of signaling that. And that I always thought that was one of the most endearing laughs. When and and that's like children when you have children, you know, so you have a surprise by they all told you know, um, it is funny. It's a warm fight because we know these characters. Yeah. And when they laugh, that's probably what got you to it's like if you knew these characters and you should, you would laugh at that because you're not laughing at them. Mm-hmm. And that was the tightrope that we walked. It, it, it was written so beautifully, it wasn't even that hard. I didn't, both times playing Arnie, I never felt uh, just be, love the character and, and try to do the character honor, and you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I never felt, you know, that, you know. Someone came up, like, you know, in that, in that community, the workers, someone came up and said, oh, yeah, we don't like the R word. I said, yeah, the bad guy used it. Did you notice the bad guy used it? Bad guys sometimes say words they're not supposed to. Well, the American Association book says not to use that word. It's like, well, and I'm texting back and forth, uh, email. I said, well, ma'am, we don't follow that book. Yeah. This is the word. The bad guy says it. This is a word these people deal with all day long. Right. Banishing it does not help. Right. And say, so I will not change it. I will not. And that's I, anytime, don't, don't come and try to cancel this. I'll cancel you. And I say, we will not change it. That well, because it's like word. showing, that's the whole point. It'd be like yes. not just yes. completely not doing Anne Frank because it's a sad story. Yeah. Like that's the point Buffalo, yeah. that we yeah. are yeah. doing it. Yeah. That's oh, why uh, we're yeah. doing it. Don't say Nazi. Right. Well, they're the bad guys. They're, you got to say it. And bad yeah. guys act like bad guys. But anytime anybody has an issue, it's like that. You know, okay, you realize we're showing the bad behavior like in order to show the bad behavior. Sometimes bad words. Same with sometimes, all through the night. Exactly. Like oh well, the the husband abuses the wife. Like yeah, that's a, yeah, thank you. Yeah, he did. Yes, that's the yes, point. That's the point. Yeah. And, and and that's a thankless role. Everybody hates you. Yeah. 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 I, if I did the role, I wouldn't even go see the audience afterwards. I wouldn't. I just and stay when in the, back. the first play, and I think I overdid the first time. The fir- that was the problem. There's no villain in it. The first, the first version of Arthur Knight, as you recall, there was no villain in it, and so I put in a Stephen King villain. I said, okay, that's what's missing. We need a yeah. villain. Nobody, there's no one to hate. Yeah. And so when I took George, George at the at the original one, George gets uh, the job. When they realize Charlie's gone, there's no Jeremy. Um, uh, yeah, he was a sad sack. He wasn't. Yeah, a he, yeah, he was just a just a, couldn't find a job. He got the job. He became the station man, and and so it was all you know. And everybody hears the story, not just uh, Irving. So there's so many problems with it. But the one thing was there's no villain, and and it was hard. So once we made George, and I did kind of overdo. I kind of thought, well, how would Stephen? What would Stephen King do? Um, he would make him despicable. He would make him unredeemable. It was my favorite part I've ever played because <laughs> it's just it is such like a challenge and it is just like a black cat like this is this is it this is all there's no redeeming quality to you and I think and you, his he, his reasons we we get enough of an insight to him it's his mother it's a Norman Bates yeah. all over we go oh god that mother we don't he talks mother mother right. I, everything for mother like okay we got that we know who this guy is and he's dangerous as right. heck and yeah. um so once we did that jesse i think also the play became alive the play had someone that the whole group could sort of watch out for and realize it's this young lady needed to be rescued and there mm. was no one here to rescue her yeah so either someone has to step up or we know what's going to happen to her and so once we fell into that 
So George, for all his sort of hatefulness, was such an important element of this story. Yeah. You know, that there are people like that who seem irredeemable. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of harm. And, yeah, do they have to do despicable? Yes, they do. Thank you. And, and to complain about that, I don't, I, I don't give audience to it. And I, you know yep. what's funny about it? You think about George in the scope of the whole production. It's not a big role. Right. You did all that in three scenes, maybe? In three, three or four scenes where he has lines? Most of the time, he's just sitting on stage. And it's, you know, the get me the candy bar scene. Right? Yeah, um, that's that's where we kind of get our first clue, right? Yeah. There's his refusal to watch the show, the pageant, and then there's the the slap at the end of of Act One, right? I mean, well, there's isn't that, that, and then when they leave, yeah, I got yeah, when yeah. they leave, okay. So I mean, it's a little more, but still, it's funny. It's not. I mean, in comparison to like Trudy or um, Charlie or any of the other roles, it's it's just not. A huge role, and it's all very impactful in a very small package. And that's that's what I love about that show a lot. And what I didn't really get until I played Neil is you don't have – you're not in the scene. You don't have the lines, but you're constantly acting throughout that entire – the first act. Well, All right, can you explain all through the night for the audience? No spoilers, but just explain – what it is, and then I'll make this statement. So it'll okay, make more sense. well, there are seven travelers who um, are trapped in a rural train station on Christmas Eve. The train cannot get through. Too snowy. In the middle of, we never identify where it's Nebraska or somewhere out in the plains. The plains drift 20 feet high, and they can't go anywhere. So they're trapped. And um, a kindly station master is, is, is struck there, too. And so he takes care of them. He sets them up, gives them blankets. And the, so the seven of them, they couldn't be different, more different strangers, have got to spend Christmas Eve together. And um, looks like none of them are going to get home. And, and so this notion that these strangers sort of either have to turn to each other. Um, and then at midnight, they, we, other people show up at midnight. Uh, uh, some other people and change the whole play. And so that's the structure of it. I love to trap people in an environment so no one can escape. Yeah. And then you have to deal with each other. Yeah. If you could escape, you'd run out, run away from George, run right. away from there. So that's it. I mean, I think it's a, does that encapsulate yeah. it? No, that's well perfect. Enough? I yeah, just, yeah. For the people who don't know, who yeah, haven't and if seen you it. don't know what, what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite I've ever. I've done it a hundred times. No, I'm kidding. I, lo- I would do it every Christmas. I love it. Um, but like that, the whole first act is uh, are just focused on on those seven travelers, and you're acting constantly because you're always in front of the audience. So Kirsten and I found so many ways to interact that gives like hints at like okay, this is what their relationship is without stealing from other people, but constantly being in the scene because you are constantly. In the spotlight, even when you're not. Yes, and it's in a, the spotlight. that's a great actor exercise for secondary action. Yeah, because I think when we first started, it's like, oh, just don't do anything, just sit quietly. Now all the actors who could further them, like you would, like you guys had done, like everybody, you know, the the good actors who who say, we remember we had to schedule, we had to stage bathroom breaks. Because we were stuck on the mm, characters yeah. were stuck on on stage, and all sometimes time, yeah. poor Violet, that that one <laughs> scene where they get up and go to the vending machine. She was Next actually step. 
That's yeah. it. She goes, yeah, I, I'm gonna need a, I'm gonna need a break in here. <laughs> but you know, it's and funny. I go, okay, let's figure one out. She gets, she gets all the coins, and she takes some kids, and you know, they're going to the vending machine because Charlie has introduced the vending machine. Well, she's got to go use the bathroom, and I said, you come back when you're done. Just what's, and they, they drift what's back out. Funny is, as humans, you're trained to not notice things. You're in a restaurant. You got so much activity going on around you, you pay no attention to it. Can you imagine being in a restaurant and everybody was sitting there not talking, not eating, not moving? Right. You're in a King movie. Yeah, yeah. You're in a Stephen King movie. Right. That would be weird. And so on stage, when you have the kids who are playing checkers or reading a book or, you know, you have the adults who are looking at ornaments or, you know, quietly talking or, you know, looking at Neil's art, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You look at it. You realize what it is. You accept it. You realize it's not important. And you focus on what's important. Yeah. If they were just sitting there, you would, you'd be drawn to that. That's yeah. right. That you'd be like, what the hell are those focused. people doing? Yes. They're not people. <laughs> right. We, we talked about, remember how we talked about like, like a, a balloon when you pat back and forth? If the audience's eyes come to you, you're constantly in secondary scenes patting it back to where their focus should be. Yes. But, but while they're looking at you, you, strength, you further your character. So you're constantly, yes. you're const- you never check out. And I thought you. Were, I would never in a million years uh, put you in George. You put yourself in George. Yeah. And everybody hated you in that role, and that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. I thought they wouldn't hate you. I thought they'd be like, "Well, he's too lovable." I couldn't. But you did it. You you allowed yourself to be hated. You allowed yourself to go there and say, first of all, you had the look. You were probably the closest to the right age to play a George. You had the hair. You had the you know the outsider, grungy. Like, I don't like this guy, and I would never have put you in that because you know you're ch- – that's my, my – he is the furthest from that, and, I'm, and I couldn't do it. You did it. Again, risk. <laughs> yeah. You take the risk, and it paid off. Yeah. I, I really thought people would say, well, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, but they didn't. They go, there he is. <laughs> you know, him. it's funny. Really, like, yeah. You sort of paint the picture of the stereotypical George, like the long hair. Yeah. The, he, you know, Daniel played it. Um, that's what makes VJ's triumph in that role so yes. much better because yeah. it's like Wally Cleaver yeah. <laughs> plays George. And I know I'm going to hear that from VJ. Wally Cleaver, he's going to throw something He's going to be like, who is that? Yeah, he's going to be who? <laughs> he's going to be Googling it right now. He's Googling I promise But it's you. funny, and that's a good sign of good writing because if you can take different personalities and different acting styles and still make the character work. Yeah. You know? But um, I guess one of the lessons like about all that background going on in all through the night, and I don't remember which show I was taught this. I'm sure it was Don that taught us. But if you're in a scene with five people on stage and you're not the one talking, your job's not over. Yeah, right. Your job's not over. You're right. still there. And if you check out, so are the people sitting in front of you. Yep. They're going to check out too because they're going to say, well, the guy that's been doing the show for six weeks or whatever doesn't <laughs> think it's very important. So why should I? Yeah. It's uh, funny. You know, you've got to be engaged the whole time. Otherwise, the audience is going to look at you and go, if they don't think it's important, why the hell should I? Yeah. I think that's the hardest part of all through the night is the secondary. Yeah. The secondary scenes. But you know what? You fall into it because you just accept it. Yeah. You're there. It's a lovely set. The kids are playing tic-tac-toe every chance they get when they're not in a scene. So they're interacting. So you know they're talking, you know, but we don't get to hear. We just get, you know. 
selected bits. We get little bits. But what are they doing? They're reading books, or they're and we take. And once you're in that, um, it kind of, you know every now and then someone might get a little bit. You know, just have to say, guys, that might be a little bit too much. Yeah. I found myself looking over it. Oh, okay. And everybody's else, oh no, no, I know I don't want that. Uh, so that's it's a balance. But it seems everybody plays the game. Everybody gets yeah. in on it, and um, uh, which is difficult. Which is a difficult thing to do. And and the cast have always done it so well. You know, really risen pe- to the occasion. People notice. Like I remember when Amanda came and and watched mine when she was taking pictures. Um, I had a ring, and I was just playing with the ring the whole time. Like like just like while watching Kirsten, or while my arm was around her, or something like like that. And I'm just playing with the ring, and that was one of like the first things she said to me was like that was. So like like good for the character, and it's just a small little thing that that you're doing. So people are taking notice of the smallest things that you do, and that just makes it that much. Yeah, more, you more know, good. they're always constantly check. They check in. Yes, you. their eyes. Nobody's. They, they, you know, we're used to this from the. You know, so you check in, and and when those people were checking in on you, you made sure they got um, some information. Yeah, and that's great because you're you're painted in a corner. Right, you're painted in a real. It's like. Don't pull focus. Yeah. Well, don't just don't do anything. Yeah, and right. as an actor, you're like, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to do action or do you want me to do nothing? In between. Yeah. Something in between. And once you get that and say, oh, this is essentially a Christmas Eve party once the kids get there. And then most, yeah. you know, they're having their cocoa and they're reading mm-hmm. books. and they're, Well, you know in a party there's focused areas. These are conversations you want to hear. So the audience knows that. Okay, oh, these guys. Okay. Well, these guys are going to say something. Let's okay. We're supposed. That doesn't mean we don't know that they're there. But you're right. You're so right. And as an actor being painted in that corner and saying, "No, if if if," and they're all going to be at different times. Anyone's going to bother to just take a notion over me. I'm not going to hold their focus. Yeah. But I'm going to give them a nugget. Yes. Gonna, I love that. I'm going to give them a little he, something. I'll be put, be twisting my ring. Oh, he's thinking about his wedding. He's yeah. thinking about what's going on there. And then they check back. He's still doing it. He's. I love that. See, that's. It's really it's, it's really difficult too with the secondary. Like you said, the secondary is is so hard because it's a it's a delicate balance. Um, I, and I hate like when you're doing a a long speech with with a with an acting partner who is like working too hard to find a way to express they understand what you're saying and it becomes mugging. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it pulls your focus, and you're like, no, you don't really have to do that. You just have to. Listen, yeah, and really, all you need to do to 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 indicate that you're listening is just, you know, focus on me. Maybe nod your head or something, or smile if I say something funny or whatever the case may be. But it's the ones who are, you know, trying to like help the audience understand what you're saying in your yes, monologue. They're yes. like, no, you do. You, I don't yeah. need any help right now. That's right. Uh, right. Yes. Now you say that, or they'll be doing gestures. Uh, I am pointing to my chin. Um, you know, gestures like hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, yeah, oh, geez. please don't. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, for, for you play Francis, so you know. Um, when you're Irving and Francis sitting over in that little area with the manger scene there, and you've got uh, the two nerdy characters who are almost always comic, we have to sit still. Yeah, we have to sit. We, it's like, okay, guys, we're in a strong position. We're in one of the strongest positions on stage. We're right by the phone there, and it was always like um, the Francis would be. Um, I give him a story to read. Yeah. That came out of just years of like, okay, just read. (laughs) Only because, first of all, Francis generally, and maybe are the two youngest actors that you can get a hold of that can do the job. And then you're like, if we sneeze, if we scratch our nose, the whole audience is going to shift over there. Why? Because we're the funny ones. 
Right. So it's it becomes. I remember basically for, I'm writing notes. I'm working on other plays as Irving. So I would be doing automatic writing. Well, that's not interesting. Every time they look back, well, I'm a writer. Someone's reading my work. I'm writing furiously, and every now and then I look over like, how do you, you know, is he is he liking it? How is he liking it? But we had to cold that that whole scene. Yeah. So that's a, that's an, a special. Same with you and Mabel on the other side when you're Neil. Yeah. When you got the cute little kid and the outfit and like on the edge of the stage, um, you, you, you're held to a different account. Yes. And so I remember just pretty much, mm-hmm. do not look at me. Do not look at me. I'm just <laughs> writing. I'm just writing. And, 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 and then when we started speaking, you just sort of felt the whole room. Oh, they're going to do something again. You know, because it's yeah. funny. It's yeah. Silly, you, know, it's, and you know, it's funny. There's like... When um, Violet takes a nap in full view, yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's something that's not going to draw attention. Yeah. yeah, and she could. Oh, she's taking a nap. She could be snoring and scratching and carrying <laughs> on, but the actress knew. Oh no, because she know they they love Violet. Oh, she's doing something. What? The, what? She's doing something on that. Oh, what's she doing? She did nothing. That's why I love Charlie because I, I got to get up and leave. Constantly. <laughs> that's the joy of that of Charlie. Of Charlie. I love Charlie too. I, I know every year. We'll Very to, lonely in the green room at times. Right. We'll have to flip a coin now to see. Uh, Especially during Act Two, it's very lonely in the green room. <laughs> right. Play. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. I, I don't you mind. Kick uh, back and drink Being coffee. in the green room by myself, I don't yeah. have a problem with that. Yeah. There was a part where George falls asleep too, so she can run away. And so I'd always like try to work up to that and time it properly. But there were some nights, like I would just fall asleep like with my, my head back in the chair. And there are some nights where I just miss the rest, and my head is like, my neck is bent in just like an L shape, and I'm like, I can't move, I can't yeah. move because she has to run away, and like this has to look realistic. So I'm there the whole time, like trying not to pull attention, but dying. That's that. Uh, did you ever hear the torture that we went through doing? Um, we did it at the Carnegie Cultural Center. It was a one of your horror shows that you wrote. Oh yeah, Waxworks. Waxworks. Yeah. Right, me, Debbie. Joanne. Joanne. Oh, no, Joanne was like, the report. Joanne was not the a Joanne wax was a reporter. Figure. So I, was, Bill a, I was, was a wax figure. You were a wax figure. Yeah. There were a bunch of us. We stood on pedestals in the costumes of various historically horror, horror histor- history. What I'm, I know I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Historical horror characters. And um, we stood there for 20 minutes. We couldn't move. You couldn't even blink. Oh. And we were on those black boxes. And they, they gave me a little a body mic, Pat um, Gorman. He had a, because one, the, the audience knows one of them's alive. Yeah. One of them's alive. And it was my character, of course. I take the, the fun part. And um, I just started breathing. I had the little mic thing here, and I just started going, ah. So now they know one of them's breathing. Yeah. And like, oh, my. It was, and then when I first got to move, what a joy. So I know, because you guys didn't get to move, I step off that thing, and of course I'm, you know, after the reporter who just agrees to spend a night in the wax museum, and uh, but moving at first, you're numb. You're numb. Yeah. I had the cape, like I was Jack the Ripper, kind of a character, and I'm standing there, and and you're numb. You're absolutely yeah. fear. And now I got to step down, and be menace, and I can't turn my ankle, and I can't go. Oh my! So uh, I remember that. Yeah, we yeah. were much younger then. I, we were horrified that we'd sneeze. Uh, yeah, I bet. Wreck the whole show. Yeah, it would. If you Destroy serious. the whole production. Yeah. Good night, everybody. I mean, what would you do? Bless you. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody go home. That's horrifying. Visually, that w- one of the coolest things that, that I'd ever seen in that production was everybody wore all black and white. 
those are the only two colors that you were allowed in any of those productions, and then one character would have something red. Yeah, yeah. in every scene. Oh, that's really cool. That or fun. there would be blood, or a character would have a rose or something. Well, we took advantage of being at the Carnegie Center, which was an art. So we thought we could really, really push it and really do as, as artistic. The whole set was these six doors connected together. We'd stand in the frames different ways and uh, on the boxes. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was neat. Of, yeah, was, yeah. Talk about an intimate space. Really? You know, oh, the audience is four feet away from you. Oh, my God. On folding chairs. We had like they could yeah. 75 folding chairs in that rotunda. And we played it backwards. We we had our backs up against the windows. Yeah. And then the folding chairs were set up there. And, um, yeah, fun, fun, fun stuff. We had a lot of good venues that we worked in over the years and some not so good. Yeah. I still have shoes that stick to the floor. I'm not <laughs> yeah. mentioning where that came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I can put that one together, possibly. Just pop from rolling down hill. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we had some great venues. We did uh, Marley and Scrooge, which was a version of Christmas Carol that wasn't your father's. Yes. And we did it at the Palace Theater in Lockport. Yes. For some sort of a youth audience. Yeah. So we're up on stage. <laughs> now, normally, <laughs> Don and I had a scene that was like 15 minutes long. And there's 1,200 kids that are being served pizza, and Santa Claus is walking around giving them gifts. Oh, wow. During the production. Okay. So Don, Don comes up to me backstage and goes, first line, last line. That's it. So we had <laughs> little mini monologues that were, you know, 10 sentences oh that God. cut down to two. The production went from two hours to 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got the heck out. And we were out. Yeah. That's horrible. When you used to say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. Now we say no. No. No, we won't do that. Yeah. We can No. We did another one in like a Chuck E. Cheese place, yeah. remember? In the game room. Yeah, in the game room. And they got these animated animatronic characters, five of them. They're up there. And if a kid goes up and, you know, pushes the button, they start doing their thing. Yeah. They're the dancing and singing. Going, I go, well, can you unplug that? Why we got to do this stuff in a game room. And 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 then uh, the, uh, that same show, Step in a Crack, we took it to um, Kenmore. Um, yeah. Their Canal Fest, their version of Canal Fest. Yeah. We're out on a, a bat, bed of a truck. I go, oh, now he's like, now it's like, no, no. Now when the group that says no to everything, why would we? Uh, well, when we were first starting, and we're trying to get visibility, oh, horrible, just horrible. Yeah. Just horrible. There's some funny stuff from those <laughs> days. So they used to do the Junior Project. And your mom took that and went to playgrounds everywhere. Yep, yep. And fairy some tale. Of, fairy yep. tale, yeah. And some of those uh, stories they told were just hysterical, you know? Yeah. Well, we went to, uh, uh, we took it there to a little musical. Towards the end, your mom would pick little musicals, and they would do. And we went to um, the county fair, Niagara County Fair, not Erie County, Niagara County Fair. And they said, we we're on a, you know, those big stages. And they had us right next to um, one of those um, inflatable rope things that you climb up uh-huh. and come and slide down. Yeah. And of course, it was shaped like a boat, the Titanic. And they had Celine Dion blasting <laughs> on the huge speakers through our entire. So we got these little ki- these kids singing these lovely little 
I think it was Pied Piper, one of those, you know, just charming, just to like, well, you couldn't hear anything, but, you know, my heart will go on. Oh, my God. And why would you put us there? So th- 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 when we were part of the recreation department, we sort of had, we felt like we had to prove our worth by doing all these things. Right. And creating our, include, you know, so John Silsby would get us these gigs and say, hey, would you guys mind going over and doing this and that? Uh, we're supposed to have some entertainment for Niagara County Fair. Could, uh, what about that uh, fairy tale thing y'all doing this and that? So we, oh, oh, and he didn't make us do anything. He would say, if you don't think so, you know, whatever. He was so good about that. He's so kind about that. And so that made even more for Darren sure that we would do whatever he asked of yeah, us. right. And he, we got into some odd, you some know. odd situations. Odd situations. And, uh, yeah. So now it's just easier just first say no and then. You know, well, well, first of all, we got our own place now. Yeah. We had no reason to go anywhere. Yeah, that changes, well, changes the game. The very first thing when we reintroduced butterflies, we, we had at least 10 people say, oh, uh, would you bring it to the school? No. I won't even let you finish that sentence. School come to us. Oh, but it might be. Nope. I'm going to stop you right there. Right. I spent a year with Toy, like, 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 like Dan out there has done, and we toured every school in Buffalo, and the, the some sadistic architect put all the theaters on the third floor so we had to cart everything up <laughs> and I've had it with, there's, then, there's a no we're not we're not no no we don't come to you you come to us we got our own building now and, and especially it's just with our schedule oh my goodness like you said uh, seven shows a year and it's yeah it's a lot it's yeah. a lot and plus all the events that we do and yeah. it's it's a lot to put all that together yeah in that amount of time so to stop everything and transport everything out of the building <laughs> would be yeah. well that's a, you know that's another thing too it's it's kind of a shame that it happened this way but it's happened with a few special events that i used to love like i used to have a belly dance troupe that would come in and do yeah. yep like two shows a year and i would ask everybody you know whoever was available if they could come help out and the one time it was me don and megan yeah to run the booth the concessions in the ticket booth. And it was like after two or three of those events like that, when you we bring in some decent money, but you're not you know, you're not making a killing, you might bring in five hundred bucks for the theater, but you're the only three or or there and I had to be there all day so they could practice. Yeah. And we, it's just we, like you just surrender. We finally said we when people started to ask, we said we don't have the staff for that. We we I don't, we don't, we, we honestly, don't have the yeah. staff for that. So I don't I don't know what you're you're thinking of. We're not a rental theater and we don't have the staff. Oh, we'll bring people. You don't bring people. First of all, you don't know our building. So your people are useless. Yeah. So and a, a band, bands used to do that all the time. Yeah. We'll do a benefit for your theater. Uh huh. You want us to provide an audience. We don't have an audience in our back pocket. You will have to bring the audience. Yeah. Do you have an audience? When you play, does you know two hundred eight people show up? Because if not, that's what they think. They think we'll just you know and we'll just we'll get an audience like. And they show up, and there's 10 people there. Yeah. Where's right. the audience? We don't own an audience. Well, it's, it's funny because the vast majority of the bands that I know, and I hang out with a lot of different band guys, um, they're from bars. And yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about the people who go out to listen to a band at bars. I do it all the time. I love doing it, you know, yeah. li- listening to different bands. But unless you're at the 716 in, in Buffalo, how many people you get in a typical bar? 50? Right. You know, maybe a bigger bar, but maybe 100? The capacity is limited, and and that's their max audience, and a good portion of those people are not there for them. They're right. there because it's their favorite place to go eat chicken wings. Right, yeah. right, right. So that was problematic, and, you know, 
and I think it's just their expectation that we have a built-in audience. Yeah. Well, just kind of like other things, that, without mentioning them, events that we've tried there. They thought, well, where's the audience? I'm like, I told you when we first met, we don't have a built-in audience that just shows up at everything here. Yeah. Uh, even after all our years, we're pulling teeth to, f- to put butts in seats. And uh, unless you have an audience, this is not going to fly. Yeah. This is not going to work. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we, we, went, we came to stuff like that when we tried to do member events before where people just wouldn't show up. And not even just to help, but to show up to enjoy the, yes. the free food or something, right. which is wild. This is free food. Uh, but now I think we're at a, a place where people are more interested and everyone's getting more involved. Yes. So I'm looking forward to building on being a member and the membership and having yes. uh, parties and everyone just having a good time yep. again. And, yep. and because I've been there before too, when someone wants to do a, a ghost hunt or wants to do stuff like that, and like like the movie nights, and it's three people, yeah, looking so it, at each other, like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I started the movie nights with Jaws, I think, and um, that's when we had those screens, yeah, that came from Fisher Price and the projector, and it was a really cool experience, and we did Jaws, we did Night of the Living Dead, and whatever we did, the third one. Yeah, I'm t- I can't remember. Nobody really showed up, and it was yeah. like, are we? I'm not. It took it's a, a while for me to set up that equipment. It's a lot of work. It, it's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. yeah, because I ran cables all the way from the sound booth all the way down because we didn't have that back patch cord yet. Right, right. And I put a, the big speakers right behind the the screen, you know. And Don made popcorn, and and Debbie and Dran, and you know there was snacks, and you know we paid for that out of our own pockets. The theater yep. didn't pay yep. for it because. Right. The whole idea was it was supposed to be a, a fundraiser. Donate what you want, what you you know. Uh, we had a bowl or whatever that said uh, if you want to pay five bucks, you know, to, to say thank you for this and throw it in there. It's all voluntary. You didn't have to pay anything. Yeah. And uh, what we wound up with was a big mess to clean up at the end of it, and everybody was out the door, and it was like yeah. And that that happened the first uh, first year with the Halloween party. After a while, it was just my friends and I at the theater that I spent hours and hours and days decorating. And I'm like, I could just do this. Like, this is just like a normal Saturday night. I'm just hanging out with my friends, except plus hundreds of hours of work on top of it. Yeah. So the, the second year was better, but uh, if people just showed up and, and supported and, and had fun. I mean, we're, I, I bought the pizza and I, I was just buying pizza for people to come in and have fun. And it ended up, uh, some woman came in from just a local woman and left with like ten plates of pizza. Which oh, like, this is not that. what this is about. Yeah. Like, have a slice and enjoy the atmosphere, but don't. I'm oh, not feeding I, your I family. Have not, I have not heard that story. I am going to find her. Yeah. Oh, I hate people like that. And ju- ju- I she hate you. just walked walked right in, walked right out with a pile, just a, a massive pile of pizza. Like, oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm enraged. Not, I'd have tripped I'm her. I'd have tripped her on <laughs> yeah. the steps. Like, that's not what this is about. We're no. opening the doors so you guys can come in and and we can. Be a part of the community, I, like not that we aren't, but more part of the community. Oh, I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be on alert this time. I'm not saying yeah. anything bad about old people because I'm an old people, <laughs> but I think the younger your company, the the more likely you're going to have good volunteers and good yeah. good bases because it's just a simple fact of less to do and less energy, or less to do and more energy than when you're my age. I don't. I don't want to get up in the morning. You know, right? If it wasn't for coffee, I'd stay in bed all day, right? But it's just, you know, you get tired easier, and it's just, yeah. and and 
a lot of this company is, is, you know, aging up. And um, it's a really good thing to see all these young kids. Yeah. To see them involved and to see them do a lot of stuff. I mean, I love that. Just to see the company get younger. I'd love to see the audience get younger. Yeah, right. You know, more young kids. And it's funny because, like, I, I told Maddie about Sweeney Todd, and she's like, oh, yeah, I, I want to go see that. And I try to bring her to every production where she isn't playing softball or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, she comes to him. And then, like, I brought in Tyler and Izzy because we were doing Hal and Sal. And ever since then, they're like, what's next, what's next, what's next? You know, and she's just pumped about coming to see Sweeney Todd. So is Izzy. And it's like if you can get those younger people. And it's it's funny. It blows my mind when some people come to the theater for the first time and they tell you afterwards, that was really good. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be bored. I, I love that. was really, really good. Because it's something you haven't experienced. Yeah. It's new. And it's it's totally it's different than TV. It's different than radio. It's different than podcasts. It's different than you know Facebook or Instagram or whatever the heck it is. It's totally different. And if if anybody listening hasn't done it or has children coming up that haven't done it, get them in there. My my daughters, Justine, Megan, and and Maddie, all started watching productions. Some from the stroller, the musicals. You know, yep. Justine would be in a stroller at the musical. And, um, you know, unless there's behavioral issues, you need to engage them as early as you can. You guys were there in, in strollers and bassinets. Yeah, yeah. All of your siblings. Yep. Yeah. Which, by the way, I have to shout out to Emily, Rosie, DJ, and Mike for on Father's Day. My four reasons for living. I love you guys. Yay. They, thank you. They, uh, they weren't happy with their shout out. I gave them last episode. Uh, why? Well, because it wasn't a shout out. They, um, I'll tell you. I don't oh, think yes. you've heard oh, this, I now. Jesse. Uh, when we did 2019, the Lottie and Bernice show, uh, we're number seven all time. We could be number five all time if my three siblings came to see the show. <laughs> we're three away from number five. Oh, that really time. isn't a shout out, is it? It's not a shout out. And so I think the top five would entirely be Lottie and Bernice if that happened. Yeah. So that's I crazy. I got to shout out my kids now: Justin, Megan, Maddie. Yeah, Love you all, Nick. Um, yep. See, now no, I started something. But the it reason is Father's I'm a Father's Day. Day. It is, too. Yeah, it's Father's Day. It's... Yeah. And my but, Daisy, um, mate. And I have to say hi to Wilson, too, and Dills. Uh, my, yeah. my furry babies. <laughs> yeah. I know. I now, no f- it, now this is getting like a, an acceptance speech. I have yeah. no fur babies. <laughs> but I babysit a bunch of fur babies. Yeah, you're babysitting right now. Yep. Yeah. He's, watch, he's a dog watcher. Puppy sitters. Yeah, if you ever need a dog watcher, it's $1,000 an hour. <laughs> well, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's, I'd pay that. That's I don't a great have a price. dog. Great yeah. price. Yeah, sponsor us. Got to make money somewhere. <laughs> oh, speaking of of sponsoring, we're starting the ads, and I just want to. You can order a subscription online, which we've never done in our history. Three people have taken advantage of that this week. Yeah. But that's huge because we wouldn't have had them. And Gary, shout out to Gary. He set it up, and so now I he sends me the the sheet. I'm still so old school. I print it out. I not I don't print it. I write it out on the old sheet. But then now I can send them a renewal. Yeah. But next time I get one, I'm sure I'll get one today or tomorrow because they've been coming in. Uh, I'm going to print the computer sheet and yeah. punch holes and put it in my notebook. 
So, you know, I have, but three people, now that's huge. We've never had people able to write. And he, he um, took a while to, to piece it together, and it comes in paragraph form. So it says show dates, and then right after that, in real tiny, they'll write in where they want to come, and they write three choices where they want to set. Yeah. So the three so far, I've been able to put them in their first choice. They get very specific. They go, I want to sit here and here. So, so I'm just, I just want to throw that out. That's progress. No, that's, yeah. I'm delighted to have, we, we want our new subscribers come and support us. Go online and do it. And, and Welcome to the new age, and we can do it now. And then they get their tickets mailed to them. And I got to get it out on the website. It's not on the website yet. It's just via email. And because he's I'll been it tested website, this week, yeah. and so I tell him after each one, I go, "Yep, came through." I get, one person neglected to, to um, leave certain kind of information, so he went right at. Right, he goes, "Oh, thank you so much for everything, but you forgot this. We need to have this." Well, right away, doesn't she write it and include it? In the meantime, I lost the first order. I don't know where I'm looking in my trash. I'm looking. At my, so he resent that. So he has a. So it, we're learning it, but yeah. I'm three. Well, six subscribers, three orders. There are two people each. Six new subscribers. That's awesome. Who will get renewal. No- and now they could either do it hard copy and mail it back, or they can go online. Yeah. And, and, and if this is going to be the wave of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. I'm excited for yeah. us. Something we've never been able to do before. Yay. Thank you, Gary, for doing that. Yeah, I got I to gotta thank Gary, too, because I totally left him out last podcast I did where I was thanking people who have helped me over the years technically. And that's just something all the listeners should be aware of with this podcast is it's very organic and it's very flowing. There's no plan. There's no, you know, I know that sometimes DJ and and Alex have, um, you know, a specific set of questions for the guests and, and that's about as much planning, but they don't make you stick to that. And you wander off. It's like stream of consciousness. You know, if you find something reminds you of something, and it's it's very free flowing and organic. It's really kind of a very cool experience, you know. Um, but yeah, shout out to Gary for all the help he gave me. And I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting other people. Just you know, you try so hard to remember all the stuff that's gone on in what a forty year, forty plus year history. Right, right. You're gonna forget stuff. And so many people have contributed. So many. So oh, many. Yeah. We're we're so blessed, and we have this whole history. We're so lucky. And we, you always want to acknowledge it and say, okay, the three of us in this room, we are three of many. And we're lucky enough to be here and chatter away at you. Yeah. But we're representing an awful lot of people who work very, very hard and who have given an awful lot. And I think everybody knows that. And, and everybody knows we all appreciate each other. And, you know, we respect each other. And we welcome new people and all of that. So that's all good. But it is, you know what, sometimes important to, to say it. Yeah, just say it out loud, like yeah. And our, 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 our like our audience, we have I have people who, you know, say so, hello to me in the store, and I don't I don't know who they are. Yeah, but I recognize them. Uh, I almost see them sitting, you know, in their seats in their subscriber locations. And when you finish a show, and they those people come up to you and say, you know, great job, and like even to this day, they ask me when I'm coming back, you know, when yeah. I'm going to do another show. That's a- Tell tell your Ryan story. Yeah, Ryan yesterday was in, um, at the Cleveland Zoo in Ohio, Cleveland obviously, Zoo. and uh, some woman's like, "Oh, you you do shows at the Ghost Light," and she's like, "I saw Frankenstein, great show. You're in that. Um, you guys always do great stuff. I like, keep up the the good work." Like in in Ohio, like Isn't that is that so awesome. cool. That is funny. Zoo. That's awesome. I was in not the same obvious distance, but I was in like Orchard Park. 
in a Home Depot shopping for something. And the guy working at Home Depot goes, hell or sell? Oh. And I took a minute and I was like, because I don't always remember. Yeah, let me think about that a minute. I don't always remember. And then I'm like, I think I'm sell. And he just said he loves those productions, you know, and they they come from all over the place to see those. But uh, um, it's just cool. And sometimes you feel embarrassed when somebody, you know, because they have the upper hand. Yeah. You right. don't see all of them. All of them see you. Yeah. Right, you know? and it pulls you out of your everyday. You're moving along, and then and you're like, oh. Yeah, and you always try to be gracious, and you're, you're humble, and you're like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. That makes my day. I always say that. I say, oh, because it does. Yeah. I say, oh, yeah. But you're going along shopping, and someone says, you know, and they're, and they're like, are you? And sometimes people just point at me and say, Ghost Light Theater. Yeah. I'm like, where, where? <laughs> oh, me. I'm a building now. No, but I love that. How do you not? It's thrilling every single Every single time. It's humbling, if you take it, it the right really way. It really is. Yeah. It's like, oh, and I always take a moment and say, oh, my gosh, this makes my day. Thank you. I'm just shopping here. and you, yeah, But I mean it. It's not a bit. But um, it's so lovely. And I love those stories at the ghost site. When you have to, and especially the, the ones who are new at it. They'll say, someone recognized me at Walmart. The kids have gotten yeah. recognized. Yeah, isn't that great? And they'll say that like, like little celebrities. Like That's the coolest little thing. Yeah. Like the, a connection you have with this person that... You don't even know, yeah, and that, you feel appreciated. You feel appreciated yeah. that some stranger is going to come. Excuse me, but um, aren't you Ghost Light Theater? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, what? A, oh, come on. Yeah. To be called that, I'll put that on my tombstone. Right. When people point and just say Ghost Light Theater. Like, yay! That's me. Yeah. That's all you need to know, and I'll, I'll take it. It is. Yeah. It, it's yeah. awesome. And I, I want to talk about something that you mentioned before, Jesse. You, you were talking about, um, like introducing new people to 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 the theater and you and I dad we have we always go through and and recently have have picked seasons and stuff and and we know the ones that are going to be hooks and yes. and we have plays that we know like if this is your first play maybe this would be like a little a little different a little weird for you but you you come in you see a hook then you're in and 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 you're good for every play like all through the night every year is is a hook i got my teacher hook i just gotten so many so many people hooked and like this season uh, I think like Treasure Island's a, a big hook, and then if you stay around, you're going to see all these other plays that don't have the same name, that are better or or just so different from from what you know. And that's I feel like that's largely what the musical is. It, it's just like, all right, I'll come in and see this big name singing, dancing, and stick around for these smaller plays that are just as good in quality if yes yeah well jesse remembers the days remember when the musical carried the whole season yeah and that was just it was it was it was just a it was the huge musical and then the other four and um we would hold our breath until um the summer music we'd start making money in june when we would start selling ads in the program and then start and it would fund the whole season yeah so in some ways it gave us liberty to do uh, more on the edge things once it started becoming a whole city we had our own building that changed that was a game changer now we had now we have a building to take care of we had to be it changed the way we program it changed the way um that we looked at things we couldn't fail now with a building you know so um and yet, I think we still help you know our integrity of what we want to produce. Yeah, we're not just doing you know seven musicals a year and all just comedies. If we did what people wanted us to do, we would do seven musicals a year. Right, absolutely. Not doing it. No. That's not what yeah. we're for. No. If 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 you did that way, you would a restaurant. You would just serve dessert. 
Right. Because that's that's all people want is dessert. There was always so, a good balance in in shows you did because you know they're going to bring an audience and shows that that are actor shows. Yes. And it's a bit self-indulgent, but there were times when we were in the financial uh, situations where we could do that, and there were times in financial situations where we couldn't do that. Yes. And we yep. needed to do stuff that wasn't necessarily actor-indulgent because – you know, actors are like workers. Every now and then, you got to have a pizza party, right? Yes, right. and you got to hold on to the good actors. And the only way you're going to do that is giving them something really meaty to play, really something they can dive in and dig in, and you know. And those do not make box office. Those and are they, not right. great and box sometimes office. they're like they're heartbreaking. Glass Menagerie, we had like 800 people. I think the, it was 600. We had 600? like barely 500 and some. Yeah, and it yeah. was such a beautiful piece of it art. It was. It was great. And and you guys did great. Nobody came to it. And and child's yeah. play. I don't know how that did box office wise the last time we did it, but I, I think the first time we did it, nobody came. And yeah. nobody came either time. Yeah, you know. Great. And that's and a such a show. beautiful show. Yeah. It's yeah. I, no, I can't call it beautiful. It's not beautiful. Yeah, but, <laughs> right, right. Um, well, actually, it was the set. Was, the set it, was beautiful. Yeah, and the story is so poignant, and it's so yeah. you know such a great warning about you know you know. Uh, darkness is contagious, you know, and and all of that, and and it's spooky and a thriller. What's going on? And the performances, yeah. And each each time the performances, and like you guys in those parts, those are parts. How you said you imprint on parts. Those are parts I I can't see anyone else playing and don't want to see anyone else playing. Those two parts that you played and and both times, just like amazing. So that and it's a shame that that. That's not up with Aladdin and Bernice, right? And as actors, you love that. There's you're a like, show. We just—it's like flexing your muscle, yeah. And you're up there, and you're like, you know, rah 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 rah, and you're just—and you're, just, and, and you're right. It does. It's 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 for the actors, but you think if you would have come, and when people come and say, "Oh, I love you," as Hal and Sale. Well, you should have should have saw what I can do in Child's Play. Absolutely. Right. So you don't know what Absolutely. we can do. There's a show I'm remembering from ages past. I think it was called Children's Hour. Yes. Yes. Where this little girl accuses these teachers, and it's like 1920s, 30s? Something like that, way back. Of being uh, lesbians, and it destroys their their um, their careers. Right. Because that was the time period where that was just absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, that was just like, well, well they, they ran a boarding school for young girls, and the girl got in trouble, and she lied. She said, yeah. uh, I peeked through the keyhole, and I saw them kissing. And 1940, everyone freaks out. And the one character finally says, maybe she saw something in me. And uh, your mom, Deb, and Joanne played those two parts, these two. It's an American tragedy written by Lillian Hellman. Lillian Hellman wrote it, yeah. Absolutely. And it just shows the power of a lie. Now, even in modern audiences, whether it... Had any truth or not does not matter. Doesn't matter. The lie of what she said destroyed these two lives. Right. And the one, because, oh, well, I never do it again. Nobody came to see it, although it's a powerful. She walks into the bedroom, and the one sitting on said, they're dev- they have their lives are over. You hear a gunshot. Yeah. That's the end of the play. And it's like, can you please? And the, oh, probably their two best work. Yeah. Carol, they're there's brilliant. There's only one guy in the whole play, and that was Carl. He played the doctor. That sounds like a. I want to read that. Lillian that Hellman. Really you can't Lillian do better Hellman, than Lillian yeah. Hellman. We've done a lot of women. Like you were saying last week, I'm like, yeah. You know why? Because we don't think of it. We don't think of quotas. We don't think of Agatha right. Christie's our favorite. We love, we've done Lillian Hellman. We've done, you know, um, and they say, oh, you do a lot of, it's like, well, we do a lot of good work. And yes, women are just as good, and if not better playwrights as men. So yes, we've done equal. 
And anything, you know, once you get into the thing where you try and do quota and like, oh, this country hasn't been heard of, we don't live there. So why would we try and tell their story? And why would we do what every other theater is doing? And Absolutely. Do the, the... And it's so, it's so demeaning. It's yeah, demeaning. Yeah. But, say, but I was so proud last week when you guys were talking about you and Marissa and you were saying, and, and Alex was saying, and then Alex goes, hey, wait, we have a pretty good record. So yeah. Darn toot, and we do, because yeah. we didn't set out to do it. Right, yeah, we're not thinking We tell human yeah. stories. We love all people, and we tell all people's stories. And to sit there and say, well, we've got to. No, we don't got to. We've got to tell uh, compelling and awesome and, and stories that connect with our audience um, that goes to the universal that is we all have shared values, every one of us on this planet. Yeah. And you find – and it's so uplifting. When you're Absolutely. in a room with strangers, you go, I agree with that. You know, yes, we shouldn't be hurtful to each other. We shouldn't do these things. And we share those, and now we're all connected. Well, to me, that's what our goal is. So I was, I was never so happy than last week's – when you guys stumbled on that, something that we had always sort of known. Like if you do it honest and do it from the heart, everyone will be heard. All voices will be heard. We'll tell human stories. And when, when – and I saw Alex. That was a light bulb first. He goes, well, my gosh. We have, we have done all right by uh, women's voices. Of course we have. Of course we have. We're, uh, Joanne, Debbie, founders – yeah, we've had strong women right along every bit of it, and not surprise. We didn't do it on purpose. Um, we just let the best come forth, and um, it's people, it's human beings. So I that was delightful. Well, that goes back to our our job and our goal, and it's like you know, sometimes a lot of times you have a lot of fun doing a production. Sometimes not. Right. Sometimes you don't have a lot of fun. Um. I never had fun with Butterfly because it's not the play you want to be having fun with. It's overwhelming. It's over, and it's, it's hard work. Yeah, and and that's fine, and that's that's good. But our our job as storytellers is not always to entertain. It's it's sometimes sometimes it's more meaningful when the audience doesn't applaud like crazy and jump up out of their seats, and that happened with Children's Hour. Oh, yeah. They didn't jump up and applaud and say, this is a, why, a why wonderful you production. Story? You know, they're, they're thinking as they leave. And I would yeah. talk to some people, and they would be like, it's not that we didn't like the production. It's something you can't be all cheery about. You just can't. And it's something yeah. that ends, ends on every audience member's lap. Yeah. It's, it's the do not bear false witness. Stop, stop gossiping. Stop lying. Because you could destroy a life. Right. It had nothing to do with her orientation. It had the little girl told the lie, and she was just grasping at straws. She was just trying to get out of trouble. Something little she did. Yeah, something she did. Um, and she said, "Ah, uh, yeah." I peeked through the, key, not even realizing the implications of what she's saying. And the the the, the okay. First of all, they all by noon of that day, all the parents had come and taken these girls out of this school. Their income yeah. was gone. And they say, what? Well, of course that's not true. Well, it's true. the genie's out of the bottle. So you go out thinking, have I ever done that? Have I said something that, that hurt somebody or destroyed? So it, do, it is um, an in-your-face. It is. But we, sometimes as human be beings, that. we yeah, do yeah. it. Stop doing it. Be careful. Sometimes you have to You can destroy people with your mouth you know, and we, with things you say. And, I, and it's so powerful. You're right. And the eyes, they don't clap and go, thank you for reminding me of that. It felt like church. Like, well, sometimes it is like church. We have a message that you might not want to hear, 
we might not want to deliver, but that's what makes us humans. We have to take it all in. You know, our, the human experience is not all just musicals. And, well, that, you know, it's, it's funny because it's one of my favorite plays of all times. And I think it's probably the first play I ever saw in my life was Our Town. We've done it a few times. And it's one of my favorite productions. And my mother, God rest her soul, hated it. And, a lot of people do. And she, yeah. she would just say it was boring. And I would say, but the thing that, that's important about Our Town is it's a wake-up call. And if you go and you sit there, I got hung up in the nostalgia of it. That's the thing. You know, yes. I got hung up in the yeah. nostalgia of it, and, and I, it was after probably the second time, and I played the stage manager twice, so I had to really study it and, and dig into it, when I realized that, no, he's, he's kicking you in the butt. He's telling you, go st- stop and smell the roses, because it's t- going to be too late. Right. And he doesn't care that you're offended by the fact that she's just married and had a baby. That's the whole point. It's got to be somebody who cares if a nine-year-old you know, guy died uh, at that time. Who, I mean, it's, it's, it's less painful, but it's this young, beautiful girl just got married and had a baby. And she dies. It's a kick in the ass. It's like, get moving, because it can happen to anybody. Yeah. yeah. And it's an important lesson. Yeah. You know, and, and Wilder did a great job, I think, of bringing that home without pushing it in your face. Well, well, Saul Alcon, we were talking about Saul Alcon out in the, in the park and I were talking about the theater people we, had, we, we know. And he had said, um, for theater people, it's like sitting at a piano and playing an old, comfortable song, Our Town Is, to all theater people, because it's so theatrical. And it, it is, there's a nostalgic to it. There's a, because the, it's the core, it strips down, and it's an actor's piece. There's going to be no scenery. There's going to be no nothing. It's just the actors. We're going to let them come out, and they're going to tell you a story. And then it goes on for two and a half hours, three acts. Uh, But it's so unique, and it's so distinctive, and it's charming, and it does have a a live-life message. Mm -hmm. Um, So, And most people do not like it. If you're in it, you love it. It's a great experience being in. But um, And and mom, uh, God love her. Uh, what used to call all through the night said, oh, "Is that that play where they just sit around and talk?" I'm like, "Yeah, mom, that's what I was going for." <laughs> but no, so she, it was, that's how, I tweaked it after that, right? I fixed it after that. Maybe that's how. And but she'd be always be honest about. It. She never missed a show. And same with our town. And I remember Deb, Debbie's dad too was like, "Oh no, not our town." It's a reputation that it has, but if you're in it, you love it. If you ever, and I was in it three times, I think. I was in it three times. In twice. College, I got to play George. That's a dream. That was my. Uh, know, twice as stage manager, once as uh, editor Webb. Yes. He cuts his hand while, whilst eating an apple. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many discord, just lines that just perfect for a one hit wonder. Well, he did write Matchmaker, which became Hello Dolly, so we'll give him that. Yeah, but I mean, our town. Yeah, yeah. I know. I will probably never come back to it only because it, it it kills at the back. Although it was the first show we ever did at the theater, nine hundred people came, but they were wow. curious. Yeah, yeah. They were curious, like we're going to be in a church now. Another one too that that uh, is not a big popular one, and and it's it's kind of out there a little bit is Spoon River Anthology. I love it, and that is a great piece, and that yeah. that's also a wake your. Wake up, yeah. peace. Thornton Wilder quotes um, Spoon River. In, in his, he quotes that uh, one of, you know, it takes life to love life. Yeah. And it's, so he was well familiar with that. And it, 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 you're right. I said both productions are so similar. There's so many plays we've done through the history. And I wish I had, like, 
a printout of, of all the shows that we've done so I could point to the yeah, ones DJ, that were... we got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Or look at the ones like... like For the last probably 10 years, I've been way more an audience member than an active member of the company, which I explained in the last podcast I was in. We don't need to hear it again, but um, I love it. I, I cannot wait for my Sunday matinee for you know Maddie and I and whoever else comes with me to, to come sit and watch whatever's happening. With the exception of Butterfly, I apologize. I didn't have the guts to no, come no, see it. I get that. But um, it was funny because I warned Tyler and Izzy last time. It's like, here we sit. Um, there's parts of it where, you know, I'm not sure you're going to get it because they're not theater people. And right. I think theater people really, I was cackling. Justine was cackling, you know. Um, even Maddie, although she has limited experience in the theater, goes to see a lot of stuff. She was laughing like crazy. Um, but, uh, oh, Fortunata or oh, Fortuna or oh, Fortuna. Yeah, 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 Fortuna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You never know. You don't know how people are going to take that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that but, one's polarizing. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I didn't warn them about it. I just said, just watch it, you know, and they did. And, and, you know, it's funny when you understand where it's coming from. And I didn't say anything to them t- till after the fact. And then they're like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. But um, there's nothing you can do about it. And there's nothing that should be done with it. It should be played that way. Yeah. Deliberately. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, I love Here We Sit for that. And there are the, I, the audience, you could feel it. It was like, oh, yeah, like maybe they didn't get this. But the whole thing is hilarious to people who have ever been on stage or is an audience member who sees multiple, multiple things. And... Uh, we, we reference it already in, in Sweeney Todd rehearsals. We've been referencing it. Uh, the people who are in it, like Jared and and Sean, came to see it and stuff. And, and we're like, this is this is this part. This is this part. And it's it speaks true to so many actors. That's why I love it. And that was one that we we set out and we're like, this is for us. Yes. When when I had two examples response to that one, um, elderly woman. Um, I saw her at the bank, a little tiny. She comes up, she goes, oh, that last place, I loved it. I loved here we said, I loved it. She was almost saying it as if someone, you know, and just tiny little, all I did, and she goes, ah, that was the funniest. I just, I said, well, thank you. That makes my day. Then Tim's grand grandkids, Nolan and Parker, were, um, especially the little one, was, was traumatized at Frankenstein. Because yeah. he brought him to Frankenstein. I go, right. it's Frankenstein. You understand that, right? You understand what Frankenstein is. And he brought him back to here, and he said, they laughed. Well, they love the director's skit because there's right. a goofy uncle up there. But he said the two of them did not. He said the little one was kind of just laughing because the older one was laughing. Right. But I said, well, kind of makes up for traumatizing my Frank. And he said, exactly. He said, now, not that they wouldn't come back, but the uh, Frankenstein is Frankenstein. Yeah. You bring a young person to it. Um, we're not dumbing it down. It's, right. it's a horrifying story. And the fact that they they laughed, these two little boys laughed and, and this old elderly woman who, who made a point to say, I love that show. Yeah. So we did find an audience. We found it's a- unique. It's it's so unique. There's nothing like it out there. Yeah. Not nothing I'm aware of. No. Yeah. We've done sketchy stuff before and not by sketchy I don't mean sketchy, I mean sketchy. Yeah, right. <laughs> like and we've done sketchy horror. Yeah. Which are some of my favorite ones, like the um the door. Parts one and two. And Dance Macabre. And Dance Macabre that were a little bit sketchy. Voices in the attic. Yeah. You know, stuff like yeah. that, which are fine. Um, but I've never seen a comedy that's sketchy like that if it isn't Saturday Night Live. And I haven't watched that in 20 years. So, Right. Um, I, I'm not aware of any out there. No. Maybe 
the good doctor ish, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But we don't do yeah. that. No. As everybody else and their brothers doing it. Yeah, um, uh, uh, good doctors. Neil, the only Neil Simon we've ever done, and um, he he takes um, Anton Chekhov short stories and modernizes them and tell them. And it's the same sort of sketch comedy, yeah, more like a variety show because there's a song. They have there's a song that the old people sing. I've done it twi- three times. I've done it Villa. I've done it Town Players. And I've done it. We've done it here, and it's similar in tone. They're just but they're based on. And they're so very funny. I think to me, I think it's as funny, but I think it's because of the connection with Anton Chekhov. You know, Anton Chekhov is funny. He's a playwright, but he also writes uh, really delightful, turn of the century, old Russian fable stories. Yeah. They're just funny. And, and Neil Simon's hand, you know, even funnier. But yeah, you're right. No, maybe that probably was the, the seed that was planted that you could tell uh, 12 different stories that kind of have a theme. You know, and the audience, like... Um, like impressionist art pointillism, but, but you have to assemble it in your head. A lot of times, the audience doesn't like that. You give the, all the ingredients, and you mix it in your head on the way out the door, and wh- as you get home, and later on. I like working like that. Those are my favorite plays to see. Yeah, yeah. If there's a play that doesn't answer all the questions, that's way more fun than the one that does. Right, and then it's like the, all the all the all the. You know paranormal stuff, which we still haven't talked to, and I know we're running on on, on out of time here, but um, nobody wants the answers, right? Not for good and ever, because it takes all the fun away from it. Yeah, you know, it's the wondering and the and the questioning and the and the the fact that it could be, as opposed to here's the science that says it is, it is, it is. It's, it's not as interesting anymore. Right. There's a deja vu I like to try and create with writing that it's kind of. Um, um, you, you give a phrase or you do something or a scene and something, and then the audience has this unrelenting sense of deja vu. Wait, what? Wait, why do I know that? Why, mm-hmm. Well, because we said it in the first scene. Sometimes you'll, you'll have little ones you don't know if they'll hook, you don't know if they'll... And that, that, that uneasiness or that sense of, wait a minute, I know this. How do I know this? I think engages them on, in a weird kind of way and I enjoy doing it and sometimes they don't manifest and they can't articulate them but then a, the, a character will say something say how, I, how did I know he was going to say that it's like because we planted the seed in the first act in the first scene and then when they come full, and they, almost like the, I love doing that and you can do those in those variety pieces of separate mm-hmm. you know entities because they're not going to expect them to, to connect and when they do I think it gives them a, a satisfying sense of deja vu or comfortableness, mm-hmm. like Dance Macabre. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, wait. Well, how do I know this? Well, it's, very, it's the opposite of the first scene. So we're, now we're playing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah. As a writer, that's enjoyable to do, you know? Yeah. Right. There was one production we did. I don't remember what it was. I wish I remembered what it was. When... The production, the show itself, I don't know if it was one you wrote or if it was one that somebody else wrote and you adapted or we just did it, where it leaves you with more questions than answers. And I can't remember the show just because I'm old, my memory is failing, but it's it's one of those shows where you walk out and you're asking yourself, you know, you really have to look at yourself and, and ask yourself some questions. And that, that, I think, is when we've succeeded. Yeah. Because you take the engagement 
outside of the building. It doesn't stop. You know, when the curtain closes, that's not the end of every piece. It should carry with you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes audience like this. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they feel a sense of completeness and sometimes they don't. I think um, one example of the Lizzie Borden story, which I was so obsessed with it. I was so taken up with it that I, that I, I, I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't. And so nobody knows. Did she do it? Did she not? Who killed those people? And so the audience was not satisfied. The audience was not, they were like, so did she or didn't she? I, said, I don't know. I never said I knew. If I knew, I'd write a book. Well, it's so like, that was one that, you know. It's like the Zodiac movie, one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. And this is not a spoiler because at the time, they didn't know who killed them and, and they end it like that. Like, it could be this guy, but it also could be any of these people that you've seen this whole movie. Right, right. And it's like, that's. I love that because it's like that. That's true. Like if you ended it for me and it's not the right person, then it's like, eh. right. That's yeah, true. A puzzle isn't fun when it's done. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and we feel and, and and I think we're we're because we're theater people. We're, we may be in the minority on that. Yeah. Some yeah, people like definitely. it like nice tied up like a bow. You know, like by the time it ends, and other people like to be engaged and like, oh, I'll think about that. Well, like our our venture into um, um, uh, Jack the Ripper. That wonderful story. That's the only way we could really tell it, in in a version which said, "Yeah, he was. You met him. Yeah, he lived upstairs, and he was your guy." And the, that woman had writ, wrote it so well that to adapt it and play that was one of my favorite experiences because now I could finally tell um, the Jack the Ripper story. Now we don't know who he is. Right. He was an anonymous uh, lodger. But we can point a finger and say, "Aha! He's well. She did this so brilliantly. We still yeah. don't know." We don't know him, mm-hmm. but we know he did it, and he got away with it. Well, not in our version, but um, there was a comeuppance, wasn't there? No. No comeuppance? He got away. Oh, darn it. Who, <laughs> who wrote that crap? No, but, but you see, uh, same with Lizzie Borden, unless we just said, okay, I'm going to say that and then try to prove my point. Well, there's many productions like that, yeah. TV shows and specials, and if you don't agree with it, you, you're just, you come and go, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that wasn't it. A very small musical we did called Ten November, which is about the Edmund Fitzgerald. I think I mentioned on the last podcast, like I did the sailor that I stole from uh, Robert Shaw. Yeah, yeah. That was a play that left everything open ended, and it talked about the different causes of what what might have been the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and it also sort of leaves open the door about what's left after all those men died. Their wives, their parents, their children, um, and that's one of those ones where you you better be leaving thinking. Yes, yeah, that was a powerful one. Well, the whole question was it negligence? The whole just like with Titanic, the guys who were supposed to pat down the hatches on land, then the others would say, "Well, the sailors should have checked it. They should have checked it. Did they breach? Did they those huge doors? Did they breach?" And they, you know, all of these speculations about what happened to those 28 men, right? 28 29 men. men. 29. 29. Um, and it's on it just a fabulous story and a testament to these sailors who the last run of the season, possibly, they always say, don't go in November, and they went. And this enormous, which just got folded in half and ended up on the bottom yeah. of Lake Superior. And we have no answer. We have no fulfillment. We can't say, do you feel better about that now, people? That these 28 sailors are still down there. 
they didn't retrieve them. That's their graveyard. And um, they brought the bell up. They switched bells. They put a bell down there that has all their names on it, on the ship, because the bell is the heart of the ship. And they brought the real bell up and printed all their names on it. And you could go, I wanted to go to that museum so bad when we were in Wisconsin, and touch, you're not supposed to, but I would have. I would have reached across and touched that bell just to be, you know, well, I know they would have carried me out. And, and this and, picture you getting tackled by like 30 FBI agents get, coming from the ceiling. and Uber ushers. Get, yeah. get off of that bell. But um, I was just standing there horrified. I know. I, we were four hours from there going up to Sault Ste. Marie mm-hmm. to the little museum. I'm sure it's not even a big museum like that. It's probably like, you know, some person sitting behind a desk. Right. Saying, yeah, the bell's over there. But um, – <laughs> Uh, we were close because where were we? We were up at the Mall of America. Yes, we, we went at, through Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes, we were up there. We went on the boat. So I said, guys, but it would have been eight hours because that's yeah. way up. I mean, you that's way up, Sault Ste. Marie. And so um, it would have been eight hours. I couldn't have done that just to, you know. Right. But I, it was hard. I said, you know, and your mom was a good sport, but she goes, well, this is probably the closest we'll ever get. And I go, I, you know, I can't. The kids will be like, we're going where for eight hours? So we didn't end up. One of these days, I'm going to get there. I want to go. I want to go. I've got yeah. that blanket from the cast. That there's a, there's a, uh, the Maritime right? Museum yes. in Detroit? Yes. No, uh, right there is Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Right Marie? Whitefish. Whitefish Bay. Whitefish Bay. Oh, yeah. All right. I know that blanket. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to find it. Where is it? Someone, Because um, I usually have it out, and it has all the shipwrecks. And I said, oh, my cat swaddled me in shipwrecks. <laughs> it's all shipwrecks all around the thing. But um, one of these days, I mean, but no, that was a great play. That was a, that was, and it, it gives you all the theories yep. one after another. Well, it might have been this, might have been that. Might. In the meantime, you get to know these guys represented. There was 10 of you representing the 29. Mm-hmm. And they tell their stories. They tell their monologues and they tell. So you get to know them. And then we all know, if we know that song, we know what's about to happen. And it happens, and we d- toll the bell 29 times. We speak their names and send everybody home. Yeah. One man just loved it so much. He said, oh, man, you got to do more like this. He just, he said, you know, nobody honors those, those guys, and you should. We should. We're on the Great Lakes. We mm-hmm. know what happened. And um, that's one. I, you know what? Not to pick on, I wasn't crazy about the music. I would love a straight version of it. It's kind of like a we, you know. Remember, we had that one musician record the music, mm-hmm. and some songs were catchy. Everybody expects the um, the Gordon Lightfoot song. Oh, which, it's not in it at all. No, it's not. They didn't have rights, but um, we may or may not have played that over the curtain call. May or may not have. Possibly. Played it over the curtain call because people expect it. There were three girls who sang the whole thing. It was Julie and two other girls. I don't remember. It's Leah, so Leah Stitzer King. And then the, I can picture her, and I don't remember her name. Her, her husband was an, a local author. But those three, they do all, like the Greek chorus. They sing. And I tell you, not to pick on anybody. And they were great singers. I, did, I wasn't crazy about that music. Yeah, the music wasn't. It wasn't great. And it is cool because it was a very visual piece. And your mom had the girls in um, dresses that looked like lake water. Yeah, oh, because, cool. because they were the three sisters. The, 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 the legend of the three sisters. Yeah, right. what is that the three waves come up. The first one does this, the second one. And then just before you write, the third one tips you over because they were the long boats. And the three sister, the, the, three, the waves, yeah. And it's funny because it's been proven scientific now that that, that is a, 
a natural effect in the Great Lakes. And yeah, and, and, and very possible that that's what did it. And so you, these girls that are singing to you all night are the culprit. Yeah. They don't show, you know, obviously they don't yeah, turn yeah. evil and go, ah, we're going to get you. But they personify that, okay, it's just a natural phenomenon, but it kills. Yeah, and what the scientists have discovered, not to take the fun out of it, because there's still a lot of mystery there, is, is uh, they call it the bathtub effect. Where you splash water in a bathtub, and as it comes back, it actually gets bigger. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's these technical swapping of energies and all that kind of stuff. The same thing happens in a lake. Can you imagine that water goes all the way? Right. So the other side of the lake hits the shore and then comes back more powerful? That's crazy to me. Well, well sailors who have been on every ocean will not go on the Great Lakes. They said the Great Lakes, are, uh, the ocean is nothing compared to Lake Superior. Nothing. We have the, you just don't know how treacherous it is. And they are sailors who refuse. They would yeah. never take a job on the Great Lakes because they're ferocious, especially right. Lake Superior. Yeah. Um, and and, and we, we crossed it. Is that the one we crossed? We crossed it from Michi- uh, Michigan to, to Wisconsin. Is that the one? I'm pretty sure we. Sounds about right. On, the, um, on that boat. I, yeah, I remember being on the boat. I don't remember where or what. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap up. We're oh, over sorry. Two hours. Oh, sorry. But, um, no, I, I had a thought, too, kind of brings us full circle, is uh, I would love to see a straight version of, of Sweeney Todd. I think the story is so cool. It could be such a cool, scary piece without music. Oh, we should we should get the Penny Dreadful novel and read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that, be it's fun. it's such a cool story and how everything goes about. I, I would love to see a version without the music and just it's, focus it, on the story. It's very Charles Dickensy with all the coincidences. Yeah. You know, I'm saying, oh, well, this is, and I love that. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Thank I you. I appreciate it. it thank you for episode. having us. Um, Alex, hope you feel better. I'll, we'll hope to have you back next week. We have some great guests planned and our 25th episode is coming up. We're going to do a Q&A for that. So watch social media for when we post about that. And please ask us some questions, some different questions from last time. Uh, that was fun. I, I enjoyed this, this conversation. Thank you, and happy Father's Day to everyone. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Thank you.